does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Yeah, um, you know, obviously I love Miss, love Sierras, um, but, you know, for me, I, you know, where I, where I end up is something I can't control, and I'm going to give my all to whatever team it is that, that takes me. Um, I'm just super excited to be here. Um, you know, it's, it's my dream to play in the NFL, and, and to be able to be here, whatever team I end up being taken by uh, is a blessing for me. Um, you know, again, I, I feel like, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we don't get to choose. So, um, again, I, I, don't, I don't know what's I'd, – I'd be surprised either way. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, honestly. Um, you know, I'm, uh, again, it, it's an honor for me um, to, to be able to be selected by whatever team it is that, that takes a chance on me. So, whoever it was at, at whatever position, um, I'm just happy to, to get that chance at the next level. For me, I, I've been able to, to take this time to, um, you know, focus on, on being ready for the next level, focus on being a, a professional. And, you know, I've been around the 200-pound the range, and for me that, that's something that um, I think has been, you know, not too hard to do with being able to focus now on, on being, a, you know, being a professional football player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm excited for that. No, I mean, you watch my film, I think I can show the balance. I, but at the end of the day, when, when dudes are open, you feed your guys the ball or they look at you like you're crazy when you walk back to the, to the sideline. So uh, I think if you're open, you're going to get the ball with Messi with me or if it's uh i know how to i think something that i that i that i'm good at too and i'm not trying to to my own horn but uh i throw guys open and that's something that i think is rare because uh, at the league dudes aren't wide open and i think i've done that in my career where guys aren't wide open but i try to throw them that way i try to throw them down i try to throw them out uh, i try to throw them over his shoulder things like that because separation is not always going to be there so um that's something that i pop myself on and sometimes i get so uh, i think i get so invested in the read because I mean, you spend eight hours on one play, I guarantee you're not going to just go one, two, run. You're going to go one, two, three, four, and really try to figure out who's open. And you want to feed your guys the rock, man. Everybody at Ohio State that I play with from year one to year two is extremely hard workers, and uh, I want to feed them. You know what I'm saying? I want, to, I want them to eat just like I am. So uh, that's something that I pride myself on. But when it's time to dip my shoulder and go get that first down or something like that, I'm going to do that too. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. I was just laughing. I was LOLing a second ago with CJ Stroud talking about throwing guys open at the Ohio State, surrounded by first round talent left and right, but he's just throwing guys open. Okay, CJ. He's throwing them open. Marvin Harrison Jr., man, it was hard for him to get open. I threw him open. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to start off surly over here, but what is he talking about? I mean, I don't understand. This is your this is your night, and you're going after him. I don't I don't I don't get it. I... What is he saying over here? Gosh, I would like to start off. Hey, Purdue wins, Big Ten champs. Hey, everything's great. But maybe it's the weather. Maybe I walked over here, and you know, I I don't mind getting rained on. I don't know what it is. It's really just I don't buy it. Like that's the thing is if you sell yourself, that's all good. But just point to things that are accurate. Talking about throwing guys open. Get out of here. It might have happened here and there, yeah, but that's, to make that's it sound I, like it's consistently happening, no. I mean, on. yeah, I, I wouldn't be going to bat and saying that that was Stroud's bread and butter down by down, that he's throwing open potential, like you said, first-round talent when you have all those weapons at Ohio State. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to, and he kind of mentioned it before he went on air, that there were instances where it happened, no doubt. But also, if the here's my take on this. If the owners are going to lie and the GMs are going to butter things up, 
Hey, why, why, why not boost your your morale and speak it into existence? I wonder. CJ Stroud throws people open. Yeah, I wonder what the reaction is from GMs because it, it doesn't matter what I think. You know, as far as where CJ Stroud goes and what his value is, it's all his value in the eyes of the GMs. So I don't know how GMs receive that. It might just be white noise. They might not even pay attention to it. You might have someone that has a reaction like me where if you say something like that, where you're trying to boost your credentials that way, where it just makes me go, ew. <laughs> like, you know, that, don't think about just this past season. He's there with Chris Olave. Think about the yeah. rookie season he just had with the Saints. You had Marvin Harrison Jr. there, who was spectacular. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba was banged up quite a bit, but you still had a Buka. You, you had guys. It's a good thing we're, he's so tall. Otherwise, he'd be in guys, trouble. We're throwing guys open over here. That would have made more sense if Bryce Young said it this past season because he didn't have Harrison yeah. Jr. and first-round yeah. talent surrounding him. But you know what's also crazy is – I said this to Eddie, who's with us today. I said, you know what's wild is it, I, I didn't recognize C.J. Stroud's voice. Like, think about this I didn't for either. a second. I didn't either. He's at the Ohio State. They were a college football playoff team. And I haven't heard many sound bites from C.J. Stroud. Like, that, that blows my mind. I don't know if they were out there and I just missed them. But Eddie was cutting up the sound here, and I was like, who is this? He's like, C.J. Stroud. I'm like... I don't think I've ever heard C.J. Stroud until now. That's wild, right? Yeah, I mean, unless you were following team by team religiously throughout the season, the only real time you're going to hear them talk is on a Sports Center soundbite from a press conference or when they're up at the podium if they happen to host hoist some hardware of some kind throughout yeah. the year. Other than that, yeah, you're not going to hear. So uh, that happens to me more often than I think it should but yes, in that particular instance, I'm right there with you. I had no idea. You know, we're going to get to Purdue surviving against Wisconsin last night despite their sucky outside shooting. But Big Ten champs, so let's not rain on the parade over here. We'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. But I am a man of solutions today, Jimmy. Thank God. I'm a man of solutions here. Because I just thought, as Eddie, again, Eddie was just, he made three comments this morning, and they're all going to make the show. Like he was concise. He was the Pat Summerall of comments. Oh, they I all had that. value. I love that. They all had value right here. But he was talking about Siege, uh, Bryce Young, uh, the Smurf, and uh, he said that Bryce Young. The rumor, the hot gossip, is that he might have weighed in at 194 pounds. That is the word on the street, Jimmy. And it got me thinking, for whatever reason, a commercial popped into my head. A commercial popped into my head, and I'm like, you know what? If we could just get Bryce Young to use this product, maybe this would help him out. Here it is. Here's the commercial. All in all, I gained 53 pounds, and I'm super pumped. That's right. CB1 weight gainer. That's what we need for Bryce Young. We need to get him on this. Remember this commercial, Jimmy? I gained 53 pounds. Did she say gain weight? I gained 53 pounds with CB1 weight gainer. We need to get him an NIL deal with CB1 weight gainer. And so he can have a, a bigger frame to withstand the punishment that is soon to come his way and every NFL quarterback's way. CB1 for QB1, eh? That's there you what, go. That's what you're looking for. That's yeah. how we market it. I like that's that. Good. There you go. Yeah. Got the tie-in and everything. Do you think he's just going to collapse the first preseason game? Like, they're going to send a blitz and he no. just, his ankle's going to no. just shatter? I don't. I don't. But again... Tua Tungavailoa can take a hit. He's taken many hits. 
and he's been fine. But there are a lot of other hits which have led to injuries and him missing six games last season. And it all, and this is just, you and I can't possibly predict this other than doing what you're doing, which is you're trusting, and I don't, I'm not mocking you for this, by the way. Mm -hmm. I understand my tone might come across as I'm, (laughs) oh, look at this guy. Look at what he's doing. No, you're trusting years of historical data that is incredibly small list of successful quarterbacks that are of his size, or if you want to go of his frame, there's not a ton of them. I was having a conversation with Eddie kind of playing the show yesterday. And I mentioned to him that I want to get your take on this. I think for a long time, I joked with you about not wanting to have kids with dreams that are small to be quarterback. How you're, you're just <laughs> right, telling right. them to find something else yeah. to do. Baseball might be your exactly. Yeah. I feel like that, for the longest time, that was a real thing. Like you're not getting positioned on a high school team. Hey, you're going to be our quarterback when you're five eleven or whatever. It just doesn't happen. And I feel like you're seeing in this new era of the NFL. I'm not saying every quarterback is going to be his size, but it's more accepted. It's more welcomed. Ten years ago, I don't know if you're seeing somebody with that kind of frame as the starter at Tulsa, let alone Alabama. He has arisen to every one of those critics to this point. I know the NFL is a different animal, but who is to say this isn't a, a more accepted practice that if you have the goods, maybe we're willing to shorten the you must be this tall sign a bit? Well, I hear you, and that's true. If Bryce Young goes to the NFL and by somehow the grace of God, or I don't know. What's your baseline? Out, <laughs> what, what does he need to do to, to prove it he to you? He needs to be... If he's the number one overall pick? Sure. No one. I told you this yesterday. We talked about it in the hallway. Uh-huh. I want the listeners to get your take on it now. No one traded up for him. Let's just say for the sake of argument, it's it's the Texans. Okay. Because I know that you have more stock, rightfully so, depending on what's given up for him. Yeah, yeah. It's just the second overall pick. The Texans okay. take him. What does he need to do in his first four years in the league to prove to you that he was worthy of that pick? Gotcha. No, fair question. He needs to have success individually, okay. first off. I mean, the Texans are rebuilding, so I'm not expecting a Super Bowl within four years. But he needs to be uh, reliable individually, and he also needs to remain upright. That's my biggest knock on him is that I just don't think he's going to be durable. And this isn't what I'm rooting for. No, I know. I love Bryce Young sure. as a dude. Yeah. I marveled at him going and playing in that Sugar Bowl win against Kansas State when a lot of quarterbacks in that situation, knowing they might be the number one overall pick, they would have skipped that game. And he went out there, and I love that about the guy. It showed that he's a team guy. It also showed that he loves ball. We always hear this about the combine. I got to find the guy who just loves ball. Got to find the guy who just <laughs> loves the grind. Now, I get it. That is very, very important. Bryce Young showed it. He's not just saying it. He showed it against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. So I love that about him. But it doesn't change his frame. And it's less about his height. I mean, that factors in. It's way more about his frame because – you're going to take a lot of punishment, a lot of punishment in the NFL, and those hits add up. I was halfway joking with Eddie earlier. I made three comments that two of them have made the show already before the show started, but they're showing Bryce Young highlights, and I'm like, yep, that, that's a shoulder injury right there. He's out for three weeks at a minimum. Oh, against LSU, he bought some time, took a hit, but that was a touchdown pass. Yeah, that's that's probably about a four-week injury in the NFL. Like. It's halfway tongue-in-cheek, but it's halfway serious because those are just different hits in the NFL. Yeah. They just are. I'd like to add this in there. We're all so caught up in the weight and the height of Bryce Young. And to me, I think the part that doesn't receive enough attention as it is is that you have to look at the 
A, the durability, but can he maintain that weight going forward? Because there's some stories out there that I've read that he got as low as 180, if not lower, at Alabama. So if he's putting on this weight now just to prove to guys like, hey, this is what I'm going to weigh now, can he sustain that weight throughout his entire NFL career to stay healthy? You brought out Tua Tagaviola. He's 217, so he's got another 20 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I, I have to do some research on who the uh, – who weighs the lowest in terms of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but if you're going to weigh under 200 pounds and you're not going to be able to maintain that weight throughout your career, that's a big, big concern for me. It's a good point. And Jimmy, it sounds like Eddie is kind of kind of siding with Team No over here. <laughs> kind of siding with Team No instead of Tim, uh, Team Jay Cook. That's just my read. I don't know, but he's right. He's speaking the truth. Those were great points. Tua's got more weight. Than Bryce Young does, and you saw how last season worked out for Tua, even at a bigger frame. And then it's another good point is, does Bryce Young put on the weight and maintain the weight? Because if you compare it to, say, like boxing or MMA, and there's a yeah. fighter that bulks up, the same thing. Sure. it's hard, sure. to, hard to keep that on, man. And look, I am... <laughs> I have the ability to put on a weight, Brian, but it's not the muscle mass that somebody wants to have in the NFL. Could you uh, talk to uh, Bryce Young uh, about uh, that? Yeah, hey, man, just, you know, uh, get Chick-fil-A uh, at least once a week, and you'll, you'll probably be there. Um, but at the same time, look, I've never, obviously, I mean, the YouTube chat kind of look at me. I've, I've never hired a nutritionist. I don't know what goes into that of trying to to, to put on muscle or to get, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, that's a great point that he brings up. I've not looked into his past weight logs or what the rumor mill says about uh, how much weight he loses as the season goes on. I would like to think if that's a legitimate concern and maybe not everybody's body works differently, but there is a way to counteract that with the high level of degree of, of both sports medicine and sports nutrition that is available at these clubs across the league. I don't is know. Is it enough man. to offset it? I don't know, but yeah. like what? Sure. If he waited at one eighty today, then I would be like, you know what? Maybe I'm way off on this and he is going to end up getting it. But I, I just, I don't know. So much of what, and they're different quarterbacks. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but our consensus and the national consensus, Bryce Young, I view him as as running more than Tua on a play-by-play basis. Or would uh, you say they're about the same? I, I would say they're pretty similar. What I would project in the NFL. Okay. I would think they're pretty similar. Bryce, maybe a little bit more, but not a lot. So I don't the think. reason I weigh into that, and I know that we can talk about the frame all we want, but with Tua, a lot of these injuries that he's had, at least the last two, have been unlucky in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they haven't really been his own doing. It just bonked him right in the right spot. And that can happen with anybody, but that's why it's so hard for me to project out is that Sure, that could happen. You could also draft C.J. Stroud, and I have nothing against C.J. Yeah, yeah, Stroud. Yeah. I don't want this to happen. I get it. He could tear his ACL first snap. No, I hear you. But that's the thing is, and we'll get to Purdue in a minute because I know you got some hot boilermaker takes. Over oh man, here. you know I know you're you're ready, <laughs> ready to go. But that's what I think with the smaller framed quarterbacks. It was similar with Tua. Good example last year. A couple of his throws. He just had to get the ball out quicker. It gives you less margin for injury error. Because you think about the Bills hit. You saw it a million times, right? Where he got hit in the Bills game and landed and hit the back yeah. of his head yep. and then he was stumbling around. That is, bro, you got to get rid of the ball quicker. You just you shouldn't have taken that hit to begin with. But 
that's what I think is if it's Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, if he takes that same hit the same way, he might pop right back up, no problem. That's what I mean is against the Bengals, where Tua suffered that really scary head injury where he's carted off the field and his fingers were frozen for a little bit. That was really, really scary. Again, they just get on you quicker. It looks like Tua's in the pocket, you know, rolls out a little bit. He still has time, and he just casually throws the ball and takes a hit. You just can't do that at his size. And so that's the deal is you just have much smaller margin for error to withstand that type of punishment. You've got to be an elite processor like Drew Brees was. You've got to make quick, quick decisions because you don't have that margin. But that's what the scouting report, again, who knows if it pans out, but that is what the scouting report by and large says about Bryce Young is his excellent instincts. He's able to make decisions. It's obviously at a different pace at the NFL level. Sure. We all know that. It's entirely different speed. I've heard the Patrick Mahomes quote thrown out of here four or five times about it. He was like, oh, it wasn't by year three until I was really learning how to like read defenses properly and make decisions at, a, at the high level that I want to be at. So yes, that has to be taken into account, but the knock on Young is not he holds on to the ball too long. Like I think he can compensate. You never know. All it takes is one, right? All it takes is one hit in the right place for any quarterback and your season's done, but I think that he can compensate for the smaller frame with his high level of instincts and decision-making that he displayed at Alabama. So two things here. Uh, at Alabama this year, he was listed at 6 feet tall, 194, so the same exact Ooh, weight. That's bad that he was listed at Bama like that. Um, that means he was like one eight, one, uh, 172. <laughs> 20 pounds? <laughs> it might. Second, the quarterback that I can find as of right now that started a game this year uh, was Kyler Murray at 207. That is the yeah. lowest in terms of He's weight. shorter. That's the other but thing. The, like, he, like Everyone wants to make that comparison of Young and Kyler Murray, but like Kyler Murray is like He's agile and he can run. He's quick on his feet. Yeah, yeah. He and escapes. he's still injured a lot. Yes. You know? Yeah. Coming back from a torn ACL there, Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm... I've never said that it's not fair to have it as a concern because you and I agreed, had like a a handshake agreement on this (laughs) last time we were in together, which is that if you're on the fence about Stroud or Young and you as a GM want the decision to come down to a couple of 50-50 coins and one of them is height, I'm not going to fault you for that. I get it. I, I totally get it. I don't even necessarily fully disagree with it because I've told you of the four, I don't think the Colts can go wrong with Stroud or Young. I'm more going to bat for Young because it's not just you. It is, and I'm not even like I'm not even a Bama fan. Like, I don't care less about Roll Tide. I don't. I don't care. I just think he's a talented quarterback, and it is draft season, and we have to not you, but the national media has to create storylines. And even though it matters more, it feels like the smoking gun of oh, Joe Burrow's hands are too small. Like I understand it's a little, oh. it's a little more important than that, yeah. but the way it's being emphasized to me is ah, don't take him because he's too short or he's he's not built as big as I'd like him to be well I certainly wouldn't trade up that that to me is like a different tax bracket when we're talking about the Colts and what the price tag might be to jump up leapfrog everybody in front of you and get them at one overall that that's a it depends a on what the price bracket. tag is for, for me and you and I also disagree on that of what we'll get to cost. that too we got to get to the the cost of what it might be to move up to number one I'm Brian though he's Jimmy Cook here on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan let's get some hoops in the conversation over here. I know you got some Boilermaker takes. I've got a couple for you. Okay. All right. First off, props to Purdue. 
They clinched the Big Ten. Yep. I know they've been fading lately. It was a nail biter last night. They haven't been like crushing it from three point territory, but they won the Big Ten. I, I don't care if you're like, you know, it's the anchor leg and you're smoking the field. You know what I mean? And it's this triumphant win, or or you just barely squeak by. You've been fading lately. Like they still won the Big Ten, however you slice it. So that should be applauded. The other thing from last night's game. They're getting such good looks from distance and just missing them time and time again. If I'm a Purdue fan, I'm tearing my hair out just with the outside shooting because I'm watching the game last night, Jimmy, and the looks that they're getting where they would dump it into – I love their strategy. They had some good strategy in a couple of facets. One of them was that they dump it into Zach Eady. He'd touch the ball. If the double came, he kicked it right back out. And they swung it, and a dude was wide open for a clean three-point look. And guys like Newman just clanging them left and right. And I'm watching that game thinking, some of these have to fall going forward. Yes. They're getting such good looks. And then I think, I don't know if they will, because this has been a consistent theme, Purdue's lack of outside shooting. It's weird. It's You're watching them, and you're like, they got to start falling. But then you see it game after game. Only 21% from three last night. Four for 19. Most of those shots are great looks. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe they won't start dropping. I don't know how it's going to go for them. And they were like, what, four of 20 or whatever it was against Indiana in the loss up at West Lafayette last weekend. I think that it's going to eventually return to about their average. They're not They're not an electric three-point shooting right. team. I, I wanted to check this before the show started. About middle to bottom half of the Big Ten, but they're shooting about a 32% clip, and that's not like where Indiana's only attempting... They're attempting 22 a game. The last two, last four, however you want to group it in, have been concerning, but if you're a Purdue fan, for it to be absent on the road against Wisconsin, and it's still, even though it almost got you, didn't matter, gives me the confidence that it... It's gonna balance out at some point. Otherwise, they're going home. Like, like it's yeah. either it balances out right. or they're not making it to the second weekend. And I don't know what it is with those. Maybe not second because they're gonna be a yeah. one seed. But you know what I mean. It's yeah, not gonna yeah. be where they want to go. I don't know what it is with those Wisconsin rims. <laughs> Do they have them mic'd up? I'm serious. Is there a boom mic above the Wisconsin rims? When you yeah. miss, it's like it's just clang. I, I can't even duplicate the sound. But it makes a, a missed shot feel so much worse. Yeah. It's just like, bong! It, it, it has that, I don't know if it's exact mic placement, but it has that sound of a a tournament game where oh, it all matters and man. CBS has, the guy on the board has the rim mic maxed out all the way. And you're like, ah, oh, keep clanging and clanging. Yeah, it, it's something that was there with the Fox Sports broadcast last night. I agree. There's something else that, Gets under my skin. Let me start. Also, they didn't cover, by the way. That's really why I'm salty. That's that's where I'm going here. But this is something that gets under my skin. I'm going to start on a positive note and get back to the pet peeve over here. I loved Purdue's strategy at the end of the game because they were up by three with 17 seconds to go, and they played the foul game twice. They They fouled Wisconsin on purpose twice. One-in-one opportunities, Wisconsin made their free throws, but it's good strategy. Not great if you had a minus four, but but yeah. great strategy to win the game. I love that they did that because it happens time and time again where these teams, 
It turns into panic. What if we fall at the wrong time? What if he's in his three-point shooting motion and, and, and we foul it? You know what drives me freaking crazy, Jimmy, is in that same game, before halftime, you had Wisconsin, they had a foul to give. They gave the foul. No problem. Purdue had like three seconds to go. They barely got a shot off that had no prayer of going in. It was, it was great strategy, and they executed it fine. Why is it when a team has a foul to give, they have no problem giving the foul? But then when it turns into the end of the game situation, it's panic mode. It's, oh my gosh, what if we screw this up? The whole world's going to end. It, it's like, bro, just commit the foul. You do it at other stages of the game. But even Jim Jackson said it like last night. He's like, you got to practice this. You got to practice it all the time. And it's like, why can they give fouls when they have a foul to give? But at the end of the game, it's just full-blown panic mode. It drives me crazy. A lot of it has to be, to Jim Jackson's point, a lot of it has to be the practice aspect of it. Because if, if you don't, if that's not something that you were religiously going over and you're just like, I don't know, added in mid-season, which I'm sure they don't. I'm sure this is something that is throughout the entire year, but you get panicky. You also get worried about fouling the guy at the right time. You have to commit to the cause, which is what Purdue did last night. I think that's why you're most proud of it. They didn't wait. There wasn't hesitation. They went after and got the guy they wanted to foul each time without letting him get into the shooting motion, without leaving anything up to the officials. They had a strategy and they went and committed. They didn't. Yeah. It's like it's like a goalie in soccer. You have to make your decision. Yeah. You cannot be in no man's land. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be left for dead, and that's going to be the end of it. However, I praise more the way they defended those final four seconds. They did not let Wisconsin get into a strong downhill right. dribble drive. Not really a drive, but you know what I mean yeah, to yeah. get their momentum forward, even get a shot up. That like. I knew once they weren't across half court with about a second half to go, there's no shot. This is going to be an ugly heave, and that's going to be the end of it. That was where I was more impressed with Purdue's discipline to have their strategy, but also finish and not be lazy on that last play. Don't let them get the kind of look they want to get. Force them to take a bad angle, which waste another second or two, which they did. No, I hear you. At the end, it was good defense. It was it was really good strategy throughout the game because Matt Painter last night – you could see it on the offensive end. You could see it on the yeah. defensive end. You could see it dumping it into Edie. Which you called for touches. yesterday. Yes. Get his touches. Yep. And good things happen. They had clean looks because he would kick it out if he was doubled. And at the end, the following strategy, it was great strategy, and it was executed very, very well. Yep. Now, Purdue, they missed one of their two free throws, which opened the door. They were only up by two at the yep. end. But if they made their free throws, I have full confidence yeah. they would have fouled again yep. without the world caving to an end it's just it's crazy you understand my point is before halftime you have a foul to give you give it no problem no horror stories no what if scenarios it's like you go and you foul the guy before he's in the shooting motion it's not e equals mc squared i just i get that you have to practice it but like you're saying some of the conversation about bryce young is over the top the conversation about you gotta you gotta practice this all the time, or your your players are just gonna screw it up. It's over the top. These guys commit fouls all the time when they have a foul to give. It's like at the end of the game, just treat it like you have a foul to give. That's what if that helps your mentality, great. We have a foul to give. Just give the foul before he's shooting the ball, and we're good. That's all you gotta do. It's the same freaking thing. I think it gets into. 
the tight situation at the end of the game, and sometimes players overthink it. Gosh. And I mean, that, that, that's the only rationale for it. Because you're right. If if nobody thought about it, and it was just as simple as that, which I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I, it, it should be as simple as that. But it's not sometimes for whatever variable we want to put at. They don't practice it. It's late game, like trying to hit a free throw. And they're like, oh, what if I'm what if I'm late? What if I foul him in the act? It should be simpler than it is. <laughs> it should be. Absolutely, it should be. All right, we got a lot to do here. Coming up next, we will get to uh, what the price tag might be for the number one overall pick. But uh, we got to look to the other basketball team in town. What is exactly going on with some of the minutes of last night's game? Is this is this a tank going on here? Is this just bad strategy? Like what? What is going on in a game where Halliburton doesn't play and some of the guys get the minutes that they got? We'll dive into that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. For me, I, I've been able to, to take this time to, um, you know, focus on, on being ready for the next level, focus on being a, a professional. And, you know, I've been around the 200-pound the range, and for me that, that's something that um, I think has been, you know, not too hard to do with being able to focus now on, on being, a, you know, being a professional football player. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm excited for that. All in all, I gained 53 pounds, and I'm super pumped. We just need to get... Bryce Young on the CB1 weight gainer, Jimmy. Brian Noah and Jimmy Cook with you here on the fan. Why are you doing this? I'm not. I'm I'm just trying to help him out. You know, let's bulk (laughs) up the frame over here. You know, can't do anything about the height. We can't grow anymore. But got to have some more pounds over there. Got to have some more pounds. I got a question for you. Okay. What is Rick Carlisle doing? (laughs) What What is going on here with the Pacers? He's coaching. I, I I guess I guess that's what he's doing, but I'm trying to figure out the thinking behind the moves last night. So the Pacers lose to the lowly Spurs. Now they did have a one-game winning streak, so let's take that into account. They had lost 16 straight, but they were on a hot one-game winning streak, and now it's two going into the game last night. Yeah, so now it's a two-game winning streak now that they beat the Pacers. So no Halliburton. I'm going to circle back to that in a second. But without Halliburton, you have Ben Matherin with uh, just under 15 minutes last night. Plays under 15 minutes. And so I'm immediately thinking, and there are other things to consider, but just that alone. Um, Is this the tank fest going on here? Are they tanking? Is this... And you guys brought this up. I'll give you credit. You guys were uh, playing uh, Pacer tennis over here, having a Pacers conversation, right? And going point, counterpoint. And I don't know if it was you, Jimmy, or you, Eddie, but it's a good point. It's like, is this just Ben Matherin? Is this Rick saying, bro, you got to be a team guy. You got to earn these minutes. You got to play defense. You got to pass the ball. Is that what's going on? I don't know. But it's got to be something that's the explanation. Either it's the tank, it's you got to be a team guy. Because it was just random the way he managed the minutes last night. Carlisle, George Hill starts, he gets 15 minutes. He had as many as Ben Matherin. So it's it's weird. It, my only question is, what's the thinking behind the moves? I'm as perplexed with it as you are. <laughs> and and I, I don't know. To me, if you're down Halliburton and it's a game against the Spurs and you're just wanting to continue to see what this 
young core has, get them more reps. Not only am I having a large workload for Ben Matherin, but I am starting him and I'm rolling him out there to see what he has. It's see, a great see time what he to could do, do that. for a complete session. Have plenty. Of, I mean, obviously, you have plenty of film at this point over the course of the season. But anytime you can let a young rookie continue to grow and learn, even if it is against the Spurs, why not throw him out there? I, I don't know. In large part, I'm with you. We're like I'm still actively paying attention to the Pacers and I'm looking for where things are at. But this is the point of the season where I've had my fun. It's been exciting. There's been your ups and downs. They're way ahead of my expectations in terms of what they can be. They've shown glaringly what they aren't. Yeah. I want to press the super sim button and and get the ping pong balls out. Hey man. So I'm, I'm not I'm not sitting here mad about it. There's probably Pacers no. fans that are really upset and disappointed about the performance last night. And not to say I'm not frustrated with it, yeah. but this offsets that win against the Magic now. Well, it's just weird. The substitution patterns, the minutes, it was just weird. I'm just looking yeah. for an explanation. You know me. I'm all about the ping pong balls. I'm all about it at this stage. Yeah, I figured you called him last night like, hey, Mather doesn't need to be playing. You can give him under 14 and it's Texting it's Rick like, yeah. hey, Ben, yeah. take him out. Take him out. I, I look at a loss being a win. That's how I look at it. I want the Pacers to be a bottom five team, to have the best odds as possible to get – I'm hoping for the number one overall pick. Who's to say it's not going to be? I know the ping pong balls are – they're a little bit different than years past, but – you could still have a team outside the top three end up with the number one overall pick. So I want as many ping pong balls as possible. So I look at a loss as a potential long-term win. And so if Halliburton's out with a calf, that's the way I want it going forward. If uh, Miles Turner has a, a slight head cold, out. Out for the game. Out for the night. You know, if Halliburton has a hangnail, DNP. He's not going to be suiting up tonight. That's what I want to see from here on out for the Pacers. But here's the realistic thing. When you look at the standings, the Pacers have the sixth worst record in the association. Orlando's right behind them, but Orlando is only a game and a half back in terms of moving up from Indiana. And then Charlotte is eight games behind Indiana. There's 19 games to go. Unless Charlotte somehow wins you know, some games and the Pacers don't win at all, uh, Charlotte's out without LaMelo Ball the rest of the year. I just yeah. don't see it happening. I think fifth and sixth is where they're most likely to be locked up at. So, I mean, you're going to be picking, you know, fine hairs here with how they play down the stretch. So it's like, you know you're going to be locked into that range anyway. If you lose out, it doesn't really benefit you. Well, I look at it where if you're winning – so I look uh, – not just who's ahead of them. So we're going reverse order. So Correct. think of the teams at the top of the draft. It would be like Houston, Detroit, Spurs. In terms of those are the bottom three teams, right? So they'd be at the top of the draft board. Uh, now just an order of record, like you're saying, Eddie. Charlotte next, then Orlando, then the Pacers. Pacers are sixth right now in the order. I look at who's lower than the Pacers. So you look at the Pacers, they've got 28 wins. Thunder have 28 wins as well. And then the Bulls, Portland, they've have 29 apiece, Lakers, Wizards, 30. So the point is, you've got a handful of teams. You've got like five teams within like two games of the Pacers. Yes. So they can start cranking out a couple of wins. You're going from sixth to like eighth to ninth to maybe double digits. That's just not where I want them to be. I agree with you there. And when you look at those teams that you mentioned, you you mentioned Oklahoma City, you mentioned Portland, and you, you can throw in the Lakers with that. Those are three teams that are trying to make the playoffs. So, I mean, you're not, you're not they're not ideally going to try and lose. So 
you're more confident in saying that the Pacers will have a worse record than those three teams. It's Chicago and it's Washington for me that I'm watching because Washington, I think, is in the plan. I think they have that last spot right now, and then it's Chicago and then Indiana if you're looking at the standings. So, I mean, when you look at it really – I don't know if Orlando's going to make a push. They have been playing a lot better since their 2-12 and start. I think they've been above 500 outside of the f- first 15 games of the year, uh, which is a true testament to what Paolo Bencaro on that team is doing. And they're, they're getting Jonathan Isaac back, acclimated to the mix. I think they're a good, solid team going forward. I wouldn't shock me if they try to win some more games. And you look at Oklahoma City, too. They have some of the best draft capital oh, in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. So they could. there's a realistic chance they could make the playoffs or make a push for the playoffs and then trade away the farm <laughs> and then try and move up to get a Scoot Henderson or somebody else that they really covet in the top three of the of the draft. Yeah. I Yeah, I just look at it where it's probably going to be in that six to eight-ish range, but i just wondering as we're getting closer to the end of the season, maybe there's a team like the Bulls. Maybe they have a, a rough week this next week, and they say, you know what, even if we make it to the play-in, what the hell are we going to do anyway? Like, there might be a team that just says, ah, screw it, let's punt on the rest of the season. Not like we're going to get punished for doing so, <laughs> you know, like by the league. Like, which team just says, you know what, screw it, let's get as many ping-pong balls as possible. That's what I'm worried about. And they're right in the same zip code as the Pacers, where they could end up with a worse record and better odds come lottery time. That's what I don't want to see. And when you look at just where this could unfold very quickly, to your overall point about trading position with those that are closer to the play-in, further away from draft lottery, closer to the play-in. You mentioned the the on the Eastern Conference side, the Bulls, uh, the Wizards already there. No one's going to give up in this league, right? We've talked about it, and that's a clear distinction in case you're just turning us on for the first time. Like, oh, what are these guys talking about? Yeah, (laughs) players aren't giving up. Like, that's not... There's a fine line between the amount of effort a player is going to put forward and the amount the coaching staff is going to put forward and what might be spoken about behind closed doors by executives that are planning for the future. And why it concerns me is of these teams that are, like you mentioned, better off for the play-in in in terms of record-wise in the Pacers... The Pacers are as good, if not better, than those teams to the point that I could easily see Indy, despite the loss to the Spurs, despite the road trip not going fully like they'd like it to, walking their way into another 10 or 12 wins over these final 19-18 games. And then all of a sudden, your percentage not only drops from, let's just say, the small chance of a 9% chance for number one where they are right now to a 2% chance and you're in the play-in. Well, that's where I think that it's an organizational tank. Sure. It's not the players on the court. It's not like they're point shaving and trying to yeah. miss shots on purpose. That That's not what we're saying no. at all. It's like Halliburton last night. If this is the Eastern Conference Finals and he's got the same calf injury, I don't think he's a DNP. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's out there. But because of where they're at in the season and the ping pong balls and all that, if it's this borderline, like, why push it? I mean, this is the ultimate why push it season. You know what I mean? Like... Why would you have them out there with a calf hindrance? Like, of course you would shut it down. It makes all the sense in the world to do that. I'm just not, nothing intrigues me about the idea of Pacers heat first round play in action. Just, it just 
doesn't. Like I, I'm, and if that makes me a bad supporter, bad fit, I'm not. I'm not up here to be a fan. First of all, I can root for whoever I want to when the mics are off. Like that's fine. But I'm here to give you the thoughts overall on the Pacers, and it just doesn't intrigue me. Like it'd be different if the play-in didn't exist, and you're an eight seed, and you got to take it to the dance. That's great. Everybody already mocks the play-in because they don't count it for your historical playoff stats. It's its own thing. Like we're sitting here, like oh. Man, Tyrese Halliburton is going to become a way better player because he lost by 20 to the Heat in the first round of the play-in. So help me God, if Halliburton becomes a worse player because he didn't make an appearance in the play-in, I won't watch basketball anymore. Like, <laughs> just, just, it, it's insane. Like I, like, I get it. The idea of, oh, cohesion and the culture and playoff experience helps. That's, that's great. Is Miles Turner any worse off because he's not going to play in a no. play-in game? No. 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 Like just it, it that this, that I don't agree with. I got you. It, it is not the building block of the future that some people make it out to be. I also think this. I'm not against the play in. I think it's kind of interesting. It makes some teams. Oh, I that, watch it. That might have punted. I bet on it. They might punt at this stage of the season <laughs> sure. because they have a chance to yeah. still work their way into the playoffs. They're playing it out. The only thing I dislike about it, we have it partially because Adam Silver is a weakling. That's really it. I mean, if David Stern was still running the show, all this load management stuff and just shutting it down for the rest of the season and tanking and all, it would not be exactly where it is right now. Just think about this for a second, Jimmy. Think about the difference between the NBA and the NFL, where the NBA, they're just like, oh, load management, I kind of get it, like injury prevention, injury maintenance, that type of thing. Sure. Look at the NFL. So we're looking at the NFL and pre-combine warning, okay? Teams that ask draft prospects inappropriate questions could be fined 350 k and lose a significant draft pick. That's just for an inappropriate question. Yet in the NBA, you can just rest starters. You can rest stars and just be like, ah, this is what we're doing. And Adam Silver's like, ah, I kind of get it. Okay, two, two, two things. No, I, I, need, I need to get in. First of all, David Stern helped make the NBA what it is today. Sure. I'm not going to say a bad thing about him. I don't necessarily disagree with you that he wouldn't be more aggressive than he is. I think we'd be more prone to lockouts. The a player <laughs> empowerment movement is here. It is yeah. here in the NBA. Whether you want to say it's in the NFL and the MLB, I mean, I would argue... Both sports have been close to lockout talk, maybe not as active as the NBA. Man, the MLB just had one a couple years ago. But my larger point is this. No amount of hard assery would fix the player empowerment movement today. If anything, I'm not saying a little bit more of a push would be nice, but the idea that just a a, a, a five-star general coming in to try to fix it, it, it would break the league. It, it would break the league. I'm not saying it doesn't need to be fixed, but there's a middle ground. There's a Stern or a Goodell, and there's a Silver the way you're mapping it out. There's somewhere in the middle. It's not all the way okay. back over the way Okay, it used all to right. Be. I hear what you're saying. Let's Brian. circle back to that. Go ahead. And it's you. also ironic you bring up this load management. I, Jimmy and I, we usually call each other before the show. Uh-huh. We're buddies. And we were having this conversation right before the show as we were both driving in today. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about load management, and I can't remember who said it or where I saw it. But somebody said, and attributes a lot of the load management issues in the NBA to AAU because of how many games these guys are playing at such a young age all the time and going so hard all the time that 
they don't have many off days because they're playing high school ball and then they play AAU all summer long. Then they go to college and they're playing every day. So when they get to the NBA, most of these guys, A, they're not built for the NBA game, so they have to add on muscle. So then they're already adding more on to what already could be going wrong with their body. So then it just eventually catches up to them once they get into the NBA. And that's why you're seeing more guys needing the load management days. We'll get back to that. Because it's a good conversation. We also have guests. We'll get to guests over here. We got Mike Tannenbaum. Yeah. Former NFL GM. Very interested to hear what he has to say. If he's in Chris Ballard's shoes, does he like that position? If he's in Ryan Pace's shoes, the Bears GM, does he like that position? Like, what's the toughest position to be in? There are a lot of questions with Tannenbaum. We'll get to him at 1 o'clock. Kevin Bowen, he'll be on at 2 o'clock from the morning show, of course. And then we'll get to uh, Gavin Wilson talking some Texans football. We'll get the uh, perspective of a guy that's covering a team in the same division as the Colts. So interested for all those things. Coming up next, I got a question for you. Would you rather be bad than average? And I'll throw a couple of specific teams at you. That's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm interested to talk to Mike Tannenbaum. You know, maybe he could ask me a series of questions. If he could ask me three questions and evaluate my <laughs> prospects of one day being an NFL GM... What would he ask me, and how quickly could he tell that I would have no shot to be a, a general manager? Should we ask him that? That you think uh, Bryce Young's too small? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how far into the interview before that question is asked? Is the height a big deal with Bryce Young, or, the, or whatever you oh, want to phrase man, it? it's... Is that top of your list? It wasn't until now, but that's a great idea. I mean, like, like <laughs> you have a former GM in the building... Yeah, or on the phone, you might as well. Yeah, no, I like that idea. We'll uh, we'll have to get to that, obviously, for sure. Um, you know, it's funny doing this job. Sometimes the obvious stuff you think sure. so deep. Yeah. Remember how Tony Larusa, baseball manager with the the Cardinals at the time, he was at the All Star game, and I forget it was like Pujols didn't get an at bat. It's so obvious. It's like how how did you not? It's like Tony Larusa is thinking nineteen steps deeper. Yeah. And he misses the most obvious thing. Sometimes that works out when you're hosting a show, you know? So, well, we you. got two of us. Thank you for helping out over there. <laughs> no problem. So, I got a question for you. Okay. I was thinking about the Colts and where they're at. They obviously need a quarterback. Would you rather be in the Colts' position or the Dolphins' position? Would you rather be in the Colts' position or the New York Giants' position? Meaning this Colts need a quarterback. Most likely, they're going to get a rookie. They're starting new. They're starting fresh. The Dolphins, they've gotten some good production out of Tua, but he's gotten banged up quite a bit. So you're reluctant to commit long-term. And committing long-term means you are giving him cash, money, the bag, the brink truck, the whole thing. That's just the going rate in today's NFL. Same thing with the Giants. You've got a guy in Daniel Jones who was better than he was before. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he's good. It means he was better than he was. And they're thinking about giving him a long-term extension. I would much rather be in the Colts position where I would rather not have the guy yet, but be in the top five where we might be able to get him 
instead of a team where they've got a dude who's serviceable with question marks, and you've got to either pay this dude crazy jack or move on. I I think that's the tougher position to be in because if the Dolphins just said, you know what, Tua's not the answer, look at the position that they're in to address that need. What if the Giants said, let's be honest, Danny Dimes, he's not our long-term solution. They made the playoffs. They're not picking in the top five. Where are they in terms of addressing that biggest need? They're nowhere near doing it. So I'd rather be the Colts all day. Miami, I'm going to remove because I I really like Miami just because how fun they are when they're clicking. Okay. The Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill factor, like I just, it, it's must see on a weekly basis. Whether you're a red zone watcher, whether you're a RIP Sunday ticket now on YouTube TV, not sponsor of the show, uh, watcher. Either way, it's fine with me. But I'll take Miami off the board. But I agree with you on the Giants standpoint because I, I'm not paying Daniel Jones, but you're going to be pressured to pay Daniel Jones because you just made it to the divisional round last year and. Maybe you're close. He got better this year. Maybe he gets even better next year. You have all these maybe questions in your head. In my mind, I think the answer is no. Maybe it's marginally better, but it's not elite level Super Bowl contender under center better. I would rather be a team that has an opportunity with a clean slate in front of me to build. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And that's what's so interesting is we often don't look at it as very, very similar Because it is. Like, you are trying to not just be a playoff team. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. You're trying to be special. And it's obvious when a team like the Colts doesn't have a quarterback how huge of a need that is. We all get that. But what we don't do is look at a team like the Giants, who's got a guy who's, like, serviceable, shrug your shoulders, your voice kind of goes up in this weird sort of talking thing, you know? You don't have a dude who's like, oh, yeah, he's clearly our guy. And it's like... You're going to commit even more resources to a dude that's not the guy? There are a lot of teams that just don't punt, and they should. It's like, bro, it's fourth and 20 here. (laughs) We got to punt, and we're going for it? Why are we doing that? And they just, they're like, well, it's out of fear. They're like, they'd rather be serviceable than special. And look at the Chiefs. I can't believe more teams don't try to mimic what your Chiefs did. They were serviceable with Alex Smith, and they said, screw that. Let's try to be special. Why don't more teams try to do the same thing? For all the reasons you laid out, and part of it is also either ignorance or belief in the guy you have. Like You committed to the long term for this guy. You saw something in him. No, I'm not going to deviate. I'm right about this. I'm going to power through into the breach and I'm going to be fine it takes a certain level of guts and moxie to be like you know what we're fine why not be even better well I or why not roll the dice and just have another option in the wings that we can try to groom and develop which is what ultimately Kansas City did they weren't happy with first round losses all the time surface level comparison for you just surface level you know I need a car I'm not paying $200,000 for a Nissan Altima you know what I'm saying yeah it's the same thing with quarterbacks. All right, we got Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, ESPN analyst, coming up right around the corner. Many, many questions to ask Mike about. Should be a lot of fun. Colts and beyond. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'll tell you what, the ESPN primetime music fires me up also. I can just hear Chris Berman and Tom Jackson talking ball right now. Can't you? What? Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it. And playoff highlights were the best. You know, like the extended thing going on over there. We'll have Mike Tannenbaum in a little bit. Eddie, you have one Berman sounder on your board. I know you're waiting for a phone call, but you can play it if you want to, so we can feel like we're really there, if you can find it in time before the music fades out. I like how you stop talking as well to make it even yeah, more Yeah, I'm awkward. dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> no, he's great with that, too. Yep. I don't feel like... Well, I haven't watched primetime on ESPN Plus. I did a ton when it first came back, yeah. and I forget to every week. I see st- it on at halftime of Monday yeah, Night Football. Right. But, um, Is he still doing the nicknames as much as he used to? Again. Yeah. Three years ago. It came back in 19. I, and they were there then. Um, I still hear him work them in every time you have the fastest two minutes at halftime of Monday Night Football. So I would assume so in the larger form. It's it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, we could talk NFL right now before Tannenbaum joins us. But I just uh, have a Purdue question in mind right now. You know, we can go from hoops to ball. Sure. You know, it's no problem. There's no, uh, you know. No rules against it. Yeah, we can go all over the place. The Purdue game last night. So Morton. He goes to the free throw line. Purdue's up one. Clang misses the first one. We got about four seconds to go. So Purdue's up by one. You've got one free throw remaining. Is the better strategy to miss the second free throw? I would argue it is. Now, now listen. It worked out for Purdue. This isn't saying Matt Painter screwed it up. You were talking about the motion of Morton. He might have accidentally made that second free throw. I'm not sure. Yeah. But is the better strategy to miss the second free throw? I think it is. Because... If the Wisconsin guy, he rebounds it, you're just playing defense. If you're Zach Eady, you're not even trying to get the offensive rebound. You're just playing defense immediately. So if Wisconsin gets the ball right then, you've got about four seconds to work with. You're looking for an outlet pass. If you get a little bit of resistance, you know, you're being guarded. Maybe there isn't a a teammate that's wide open initially. I like the strategy of missing on purpose when you're only up by one with about four seconds to go. You? It depends on the time. That situation, I'm fine with trying to miss it. Yeah. It depends on how much time is left. Yeah, we're talking four seconds. Yeah, yeah sure. That's fine. You're good with that? Yeah. You're just itching to talk Bryce Young, aren't you? I really am. <laughs> because I don't know how much I actually believe that. Uh, that I just I just threw it out there to get to... What? Get to it. I, I know. I'm sorry. What are you doing over here, uh, we're, 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 I, it's, it's, it, I don't know. You're like, do you know how hard I worked <laughs> talk to, to get me Mike Tannenbaum? Talk to me at 1.30. Let's talk to him. Mike Tannenbaum. Oh, he's not there yet. I thought that was Mike. See, look. I also got punked. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, I, I I like the points. Just give me the points. I'll trust you defensively regardless. Just make the free Wait throw. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's walk through this. Piece by piece, as Denzel said. Go knock the ball fire. out of the air. Okay. Go, go, go pluck the thing. Okay. So you make the, let's say the strategy is sure. make the second free sure, throw. Sure, sure, sure. Let's go up by two. Yep. We got four seconds left. Yep. yep, yep. Unless, what was it? Tyus Edney? Of uh, UCLA going coast to coast sure, sure, on the weird, wacky Boise State yeah. court, yep. like that's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to be a three pointer yep. that Wisconsin is taking at the end of the game. Yep. Would you rather they have a little bit of a better chance? I would argue 
when you inbound the ball, you, you've got five seconds to work with. Who you inbound the ball to, you might be able to throw it to half court. You might get a decent three-point look. You know? Uh, you could possibly get a two if you make that second free throw. If you miss it, you don't have five seconds to work with. You've got the ball, boom, you've got to freaking go. Yeah. I would miss on purpose. I think that's a better strategy. It didn't cost them. Did not. And they right. played it well. The strategy they employed, like they, they played it well. All right, we do have Mike Tannenbaum. All right, we've got Mike, former NFL GM, ESPN, NFL analyst. Mike, we are a full-blown draft mode. As a former GM, how deep are you in draft mode on March 3rd with it being about you know a month and a half away? Oh, you got to be really deep because you're trying to make this context of what are we going to do in free agency? What are we going to do in the draft? And that's what's so fun about this time of year is you're trying to marry those two things. Mike, in today's NFL, we saw the Colts be able to do it when they were hiring Shane Steichen. How, how tough is it inside of a front office to prevent leaks? Um, you know, that's a great question. It's never going to be perfect. You just try to do uh, the best you can. And um, you work really hard with a intimate group of people and you try to keep as many things in-house as possible. Is it kind of like the departed trying to figure out who the rat is if something does get out? Um, you know, candidly, I didn't spend a lot of time on that. I try to spend a lot of time on hiring the right people, yeah. so I didn't have to worry about that. Now, I worked in really big media markets, um, and things do get out oftentimes, I would think, indirectly. But um, you do try to remind people of like, hey, you know, this is family business here. How much of that, Mike, is amplified if you're a team that's trying to trade up and you're trying to manipulate things, keep your cards close to the chest with other teams, but also navigate to a point where you can get the guy you want to get? Uh, You know, it's the world's biggest poker game. I think that's one of the many reasons the draft is so popular. I know one year running the Jets, we went from 17 to 5 because we wanted to go up and get Mark Sanchez and we didn't have a quarterback. Um, I talked to probably every team in the league and I think, you know, because we were so active with trades, and until that trade was consummated with the Browns to go from 17 to 5, um, none of us knew what was going to happen. So um, I think, you know, someone like Chris Ballard could sort of operate in the same situation, which is like, hey, everyone knows they need a quarterback, but, you know, he could wind up trading down. You just never know what's going to happen. He's Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on The Fan. If you ballpark it, Mike, from the Colts' perspective, they're at number four right now, as you know. What do you think the price tag would be to move up to number one? You know, I think it's a little bit less expensive than it was the other day, given Jalen Carter's development, to be candid. I think that helps, you know, I I, I just think now if you're, let's say, the most interesting thing to me is, and I've been on the record more than once here, if I'm the Bears, I'm taking Bryce Young. But we'll see what happens. I think a lot of the value of that pick is going to be based on, you know, what their own evaluation of Bryce Young is. I mean, if I'm the Bears, I think Bryce Young's the better quarterback than Justin Fields, and I'm just taking the player. Where has been the biggest mark or reason that you'd want to move on from Fields, Mike? Is it just the, the intangibles and the body of work of Young, or is it that, that you feel like he, he's not the franchise quarterback they think he is? 
No, I think Justin Fields is going to be a good player. Um, you know, I'm not sure if this is breaking news, but sometimes people overreact on Twitter. <laughs> and when I when I started, and when I started with this, you know, I got a lot of oh, you're anti Fields, and I'm uh, I'm not. I think he's a good player. I think Bryce Young has a chance to be really, really special. Um, the one number that bothers me about Fields is 140. In two years, playing 27 out of a possible 34 games, he has 140 sacks interceptions and fumbles which is the most in the nfl and again that's only playing 27 out of a possible 34 games uh give us the full breakdown on bryce young if you would mike uh, you've alluded to what you like about him but specifics in terms of the ceiling what what are you worried about a lot has been made about the height the frame what's the, on the pros and the cons list for you with bryce young yeah look i've gotten to know him really well throughout this process and you know candidly like he's impossible not to fall in love with like I think he's a rare person he walks into the room I think it was Dan Orlovsky that I gotta give credit to this but he really reminds me of Steph Curry um I just think he has one of these like transcendent personalities that he's gonna impact the entire program as soon as he walks in now look a lot's been made about his size and I am a size snob. Like, I am dogmatic about wanting bigger players because over time they last longer. So this is a big exception. But I think he's really worth it. If you look at Steph Curry, you know, he was not the first player picked. You know, he was doubted about his size and going to Davidson, and he's going to go down as one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. I think when it's all said and done, I think Bryce Young is going to have a similar career. I think he's – Arm strength is incredible. Anticipation, his downfield accuracy is really rare. And I think he has a chance to be really special. Mike, to that same end, Brian and I have been going back and forth with it. it, it is the frame and his build a rightful fear of the type of hits he's going to take in the NFL or the fact that he's playing the SEC still against monsters, not NFL monsters, but future NFL monsters factor into that at all? Yeah, and I think this is why uh, you know it's so challenging because I think both of your points are incredibly fair, which is he's small and he withstood for the most part the rigors of the SEC. So you know that's what makes you know these you know decisions <laughs> so challenging. Is both of those points are incredibly fair. I just think at the end of the day, look, I think the number was like sixty-eight. I think sixty-eight different quarterbacks started last year. So. Point being is you're going to need a really good backup anyway, and I'd rather have Bryce Young for 14 games or 12 games than not having him for zero. He's Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, joining us here on The Fan. I'm curious, from a GM's perspective, Mike, when you look at the GMs in this draft, who's the guy that you say, man, that guy's facing a tough decision? And who's the guy that's facing a decision that you're like, I wouldn't mind having that decision if I was in his shoes? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's Ryan Poles. Uh, look, the easy decision is to turn in the card and take Will Anderson. You know, Will Anderson has impeccable character. He had an incredible workout. You know, he may be Von Miller. And if you draft Will Anderson, like, no one's going to say anything. Like, he's a really, really good player. You know, just turn in the card and you're good. Um, but the right decision very, way, may very well be to trade a very young, popular quarterback in Justin Fields. So, I think he has a hard job, and I think Andy Reid has a really easy job because he has Patrick Mahomes. There you go, Mike. When you look at the other, when you look at the other 
top prospect in terms of quarterbacks available in CJ Stroud for, from a front office standpoint like for me as a, as a fan and as a, as a media member I was very impressed with how he looked against Georgia I, I felt like that that moved a lot for me of what I could see from him at the next level obviously as a GM you're taking the whole body of work but how much does a game like that against a defense like that if at all sway you one way or the other on what he can do at the next level yeah, no, it matters. It matters a lot. And he um, had a great game against a great defense. Um, they really outplayed Georgia, if you really look at it. Um, so it's really moved it for me. I think that's totally fair. I like him a lot. Uh, for me, he's number quarterback number two in this draft. How much, Mike, do you think Chris Ballard, Colts GM, was just talking about it at the Combine the other day? He was like, I know the narrative is we got to get up to one to get that guy, and he's like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I, maybe we, we find that guy at four. How much do you think that's how he actually feels, or is that just draft positioning, smokescreen city? Can you tell what he's actually getting at there? Yeah, I think both things are true. I think, you know, look, John Lynch got to the NFC Championship game with Mr. Irrelevant, and, um, you know, C.J. Stroud may be there at four, and they're going to have a great quarterback if they get him. Um, so I think taking somebody four is realistic, and having optionality to move up is also very realistic. Mike, I, I don't have it in front of me, so when you had traded up to go get Mark Sanchez, I don't remember what you gave up to do it, but in terms of your thinking there, I'm sure you know, but in terms of your thinking there, that was obviously a move to make sure you got your guy. How impactful and important is that in a general manager's decision making like Chris Ballard has right now where they do have potential avenue to trade up it's a division rival that could get maybe the quarterback you want if the Texans stay at two how much does that factor in the desire to assure you get your guy yeah well I would question your sanity if you would remember off the top of your head a trade we made (laughs) over a decade ago going 12 spots for three players and two picks so uh, I like you a lot more that you don't know the answer to that um, but look, what the, the other thing I would say, though, is this guy. It's like I traded for Brett Favre, and when he walked through the building, he just absolutely changed everything about, you know, the food tasted better. You know, everything just was better about the program because we had Brett Favre. And when you have a franchise quarterback, it changes everything. So, And I don't think you can overpay greatness. So, you know, look, I'm in the media now, and we're going to quibble if – you know, this team gives up an extra second-round pick or third-round pick or whatever it may be. But, you know, if C.J. Stroud turns out to be a great player or Bryce Young does, um, no one's going to care. And no one cared that we gave up a third-round pick for Brett Favre. Um, so to me, like, you, you, you pay the bill in certain situations, and this is one of those situations. You know, Mike, we were just talking about overpaying goodness, not greatness. So which position would you rather be in as a GM where the Colts are right now, where they don't have a quarterback, they're trying to get one or a team like say the giants where they have Daniel Jones, who's okay, but you really don't want to commit over the top a, a price tag on it. Maybe the dolphins with Tua, where he's good, but he's been banged up and you're reluctant to really back up the Brinks truck for him. Would you rather be in the Colts position or a team like the giants or dolphins? Yeah, look, I'd rather have someone than no one. You know, like, look, and Daniel Jones could get better. Um, I know it's not ideal, but, boy, like, you know, to illustrate the, your, the point is this, like, let's say the Giants don't sign him or tag him. You don't think the Jets the next day are going to try to sign him in the same city? So Daniel Jones is far from perfect, but not having a quarterback is even worse. 
Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN, nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Real Tannenbaum. Mike, you mentioned a little bit earlier Jalen Carter and everything going on with him. Is Obviously, we have to wait to see how it plays out, so I know it's a big if, but is this something that impacts how far he could fall in the draft, or is he still about at the same grade, assuming there's... I know it's a very delicate spot, but assuming there's nothing else that comes out that makes it problematic to take him. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I think it's really important that you get uh, all the information. I yep. mean, if we were running a team, guys, we just couldn't turn in the card until we know, like, the legal disposition had been worked out. So, um, yeah, I, it, it, it will materially impact things, in my opinion, until you know things are worked out. Mike, you're the man. Appreciate your time. Love the insight. Hope you have a good day and a good weekend. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks so, yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. There he is, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL GM, ESPN NFL analyst. Some Are you interesting swayed? stuff. Are you swayed? No. No. <laughs> All right, well, hey, at least you stick to your guns. No, like, uh, look, uh, there are a lot of smart football people who love Bryce Young. And that's the thing is, he's got talent. Everything that Mike said is true. Like, he's got the arm strength. He's got the anticipation. He's got downfield accuracy. There are a lot of things to like about Bryce Young. I've actually said some positive things about Bryce Young. I love the competitiveness. I love that he played in the bowl game when a lot of the other players in the same situation would have skipped. I'm not looking down on the players that did skip. I just give sure. Bryce Young an extra thumbs up for going out there and playing. There's a lot I like. You just can't change the frame, man. And that's what... I'm completely reluctant about. And even Mike said, I like that. He's a size snob because over time, the bigger quarterbacks, they just, they last longer. And he's like, I'll make an exception for this guy, Bryce Young. That gives me hope for you yet. Hey man, it's fascinating (laughs) because it literally, it could work out. We were joking around before the show. I said, wouldn't it be funny if the Colts make this aggressive power play move, they get to number one, they get Bryce Young and he's a freaking baller and all the things I've been saying totally untrue it could easily happen that way and I told you if it flips the other way I too will tip the cap and 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 just comically laugh at it if they take him and all of a sudden three years down the line it he can't stay healthy and they have a, a just a porcelain doll lined up for them yeah, man, I'm worried that's the way it's going to go. But I also thought it was really interesting what Mike said. Would you rather be in the Colts position, you having no too. one yeah, and, yeah. and needing a quarterback, or say like the Giants with Daniel Jones, the Dolphins with Tua? And he immediately said, I'd rather have someone than no one. And that's really interesting thinking to me because that's the mainstream way it goes across the league. I'm just waiting for the team that says, hey, we've got to pay – how much for this guy? No, although it's scary just starting fresh again and trying to find a brand new quarterback, that's going to end up screwing us as well. It's going to end up screwing us up as an organization if we overpay a quarterback who's just good. And that's why I would rather be to modify it a little bit because you mentioned the Chiefs earlier when they had Alex Smith and you wish more franchises did that. They weren't satisfied. They still tried to be aggressive to fix the most important position in football. Smith wasn't on a contract year. Like he wasn't an expiring deal like Daniel Jones is right now. This is a very tough spot. I know you just mentioned the Giants because of Jones, but their decision is not let's have a young quarterback learn behind Jones. It is do we pay this guy or, like you said, do we rip the Band-Aid off and start fresh? I would rather teams not let it get to that point. If you're in year three or year four or whatever of a 
veteran or drafted player, whichever one it is, whether you're like the Vikings and you have Kirk Cousins or you're like the Giants and you have Daniel Jones who you drafted, I'd rather you make that decision a little bit earlier down the road than, oh, I don't know, like you're someone that forgot when the test was and is having to cram all night to try to get a B- minus out of it. Uh, yeah, I hear you, but you got to give them a little bit of time to grow into the position. And it's Sometimes, easier for veterans. Yeah, there are later yeah. bloomers, yeah. you know. Like Kirk Cousins, like, for instance, mm-hmm. if I was the Vikings right now, and I don't I don't know his contract off the top, so it might be crazy. Because Alex Smith was not insane. I mean, everything is, even in two years, contracts have changed, right, in terms of what the value is. If I was the Vikings and it doesn't hurt me that much in terms of what I can do and if Kirk Cousins is shoppable, this year or next year, I'd be looking to try to trade up and get a quarterback that I believe in. That That's a more comparable boat for me if you take the money off the table for a second. I understand what you're saying, and he's aging. Kirk's around 35 or so. so. I think you've seen where you're going to go with, with Kirk Cousins and those Vikings, personally. It just, it's... I think it's mostly fear-based. Oh, yeah. You know, is these teams, they just don't want to be stuck without anybody behind center. And I get that, but it's just, it's fascinating to me that a lot of them don't consider, like, if we overpay this guy, we're screwed. The Arizona Cardinals are screwed. Kyler Murray's all right. He's not worth what they're paying him. Yeah. They're screwed. And it's just funny how it's it just goes like that. I also think this, where the Mahomes model... I think a lot of teams look at that and they say, how are we going to find another Mahomes? And I don't like that thinking. You're not going to find another Mahomes, but I don't think that's where your mind should be. You could find a guy who's much better than your current guy, you yeah. know? And you're not really overpaying if you find a better quarterback than what you currently have. And it's like some other teams have tried to do that. The Niners tried to do that with Trey Lance. They're not thinking about overpaying Jimmy Garoppolo who's serviceable, they won a lot of games with, they could continue winning a lot of games with him. They're like, screw that, let's try to be special. They tried to do it. They might have gotten it wrong. And so far it hasn't worked out at all. But the point is, beyond Mahomes, you need another example, maybe another two examples of teams that had a serviceable quarterback and they said, we're not going to overpay this guy. Let's go option B and see if this works out even better. You need a couple more examples than just Mahomes. For I think teams, for that to be like the norm, for that to really be the copycat type thing. Where is your benchmark for that to matter? And, and let me kind of clarify that because the Packers obviously did it when they already had Brett Favre. They didn't trade up, but they drafted a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers yep. at that point when maybe they didn't need to do it. Right. They kind of did the same thing with Rodgers. We don't know what the heck love is going to be. I'm kind of out on that boat, but whatever. Maybe you still believe in the kid. They didn't need to do that when they took Jordan Love. They could have gotten more weapons for Rodgers. Does that count? Or are you talking about a team that is tiers below already having a Rodgers or Favre? It, it does count, and I find that to be pretty interesting too because let's take that into account. If you're one of these teams like the Giants where – and we're doing this comparison with the Colts, right? Like it all traces back to them. Which position would you rather be in? So let's say the Giants, they're picking 26th overall. That was close with Aaron Rodgers. He was 24th overall. Okay? Yeah. So let's just say the Giants are like, man, we really don't want to overcommit to Daniel Jones, but we also don't want to have no one behind center. So what do we do? You know? It's like if you have a scenario where a quarterback falls to you, 
like it happened with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and an opportunity just presents itself. Like, yeah, I get that. If you move on from your quarterback who's not really worth the big bucks, you got to do something. And that's where I can kind of meet you halfway for the people who think like this. Like, we got to have somebody. If a great opportunity or even a good opportunity, a promising opportunity does not present itself, it's like, yeah, that's that's a really tough boat to be in. But I still maintain I'm not overpaying for Daniel Jones. I'm not overpaying for him and crossing my fingers like, hey, man, hopefully this guy just keeps getting better. And what? To the tune of what? He's going to be a top five, top ten guy. It's unrealistic. And it goes back to the fear aspect of it, right? Because I don't, I don't know how much you play it anymore, but like, there's a difference of the Madden mindset, and that's what I'm going to call it. Obviously, referencing the video game franchise of, I'm in control of this boat. Uh-huh. What the owner says does not matter. If I want to <laughs> let Daniel Jones go and wait another year for a quarterback, I, there's no hot seat for me. I'm controlling the temperature on the seat. Okay. You know what? Real fast. Sure. Wouldn't it be funny if there was owner mode? in Madden where you're the GM you're calling the shots you've got it figured out you're going to do this and then owner mode just steps in and says no screw that yeah. we're doing this I would like that setting on Madden well there there we're not to get too much in the weeds but <laughs> you can set it to how involved is the owner oh, in with that process my, wow and, and your decisions are Woo. impacted so they'll you might get fired more or less if you disagree with that is awesome man man video games have come a long have. way since Tecmo Yes, they, wow. <laughs> indeed. Holy indeed, cow. they have. Uh, by the way, Packers took Jordan Love with the 26th pick in the 2020 draft. There you go. Just Same. for two examples, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., Packers fans and NFL fans know this. They they could have done more to arm Rodgers. They didn't. Instead, they're like, hey, we're going to take a quarterback now because who knows how long Aaron's playing. Right, right. And it's been a long time since they took a first-round wide receiver. Yes. But it's funny, isn't it? The tie-in, the Packers, they took Rodgers 24th overall. Yeah. They took Jordan Love 26th overall, and we're just talking about the Giants with the 26th overall pick. So there are drafts. And you can do both. There are drafts where there is an opportunity that presents itself to go with plan B instead of plan A is overpaying this dude who's not worth the money. If they didn't have the Saquon Barkley element in the room, I would trade up, I would draft a quarterback, and I would tag Jones. You have him for a year, yeah. you're paying him whatever it is, $30, $40 million, and you're just going with it. I think it makes way more sense to overpay in draft capital yes. to move up to try to get a guy who might be special than to overpay in dollars yeah. a quarterback who's just good, who's never going to be special. Totally agree. Right? Because you can easily... It's harder to get out of cap space as much as it is to acquire draft picks. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're just giving them away for free right. for draft picks, but you have w- more wiggle room for negotiation there than if you have a terrible, like, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Yeah. They're, it doesn't even have to be that. You can name a defensive player where you've overpaid at a premium yeah. position for an aging superstar. It's way harder to get underneath those, out from underneath those contracts than it is to acquire more draft capital. The, I'm right there with you. The Falcons, it's just like, they're finally getting out of cap hell. Aren't the Saints like forty million? Oh play, man! Like- <laughs> but the Falcons—it's finally they're getting Matt yeah. Ryan off the books. They're getting Julio Jones off the books. Breathe they easier. finally have cap room. Yeah, you can do things now. Yeah, it is. You're hamstrung. Like pay Desmond Ritter if you over uh, commit to the wrong dudes, <laughs> the aging dudes, the one special yeah. dudes. It works a lot of different ways. Okay, coming up next, Eddie. I've noticed because I pay attention to every word you say. 
Uh, I've noticed, Jimmy, my bad, I said Eddie. Eddie yeah, perked I was very up. Confused. I was like, I was like oh, Eddie man. perked up. Oh, shoot, I said the wrong name. Jimmy, I have paid attention to every word you've said. You've mentioned a phrase twice, and you're, you're making me think, maybe I should say it the other way. Okay. Maybe I should say this phrase the other way. We'll get to that. And, of course, more hoops. I've got an interesting uh, question for you in the world of hoops is on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan, Purdue women down six at halftime against Sparty over in Chicago. Same as the men coming up here soon for the Big Ten tournament. By the way, Eddie, I uh, I don't know why I keep saying Eddie. My bad, Eddie. Jimmy, I listen to every word you say. I might screw up your names from time to time, but I listen to every word you say. You have said a couple of times on the show today, close to the chest. I go close to the vest, but how often am I wearing a vest? Never. I, I'm, I've got my chest right here, you know? I think chest works way better. You want to know why I go chest? Why? Because I and there, you can Google it. There's a chest or vest whole thing of either. Oh, really? Either's yeah. fine. Yeah. Because I always thought it was vest. Yeah. And then shout out to one of my favorite movies, The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan, 2008, Harvey Dent's. Yeah. Getting in the back of uh, the police truck. Spoilers. Uh, and, he, <laughs> and, and, and he's talking to Rachel Dawes. Is he's this like, before, Jimmy? Is this before or after Batman dies? Is it what? Oh, and, yeah. and, and, he, and he's and he says. I like to keep my cards close to the chest because he because he faked his faked his own death and yeah, he didn't yeah. tell his girl. Would about you it. stop spoiling so, the movie? So it's fifteen an, years, it's safe. Excellent movie. Oh, it's man. phenomenal. I was gonna see it tonight. Gosh dang it! One of my favorite things because I was just lucky enough to live in Chicago for a year. I watched it while I was there after I'd kind of gotten a feel for the city because they filmed a lot of the 08 Dark Knight in Chicago and I was like, oh, I know that. I walk past that building every day. So that was that was that was really neat. But yeah, one of my favorite movies. Uh, of all time. Jimmy, I have a question. Do people in Chicago, do they call it Chicago or they call it Chicago? Or how Chicago, <laughs> how some people say it. Chicago, it it's, it's Chicago. Yeah. They yeah. draw out the A, yeah. Chicago. Uh, how'd you feel about living in Chicago over there, Jimmy? I loved it, man. You did? I. Why are you back? Why aren't you still there? Couple different reasons. Family <laughs> and uh, cost of living is insane. Yeah, we lived is. downtown. Uh, we lived in uh, a Streeterville, which is like a stone's throw from Navy Pier. Uh, I love the idea of being able to walk to everything. Yeah. Like we had, we had a Target on the corner, like plenty of bars, restaurants. I loved city living, but money was most of the reason. And also, I like having a backyard for my dogs to run around. Hey, I get it. I mean, it's your fault for living in a penthouse across oh, from shit. Navy Pier. Yeah. What are you doing? Of course it's going to be yeah, expensive. I, I mean, it, it was, uh, if you want to call penthouse uh, a 600 square foot apartment a penthouse, that's fine. It was but like Taj Mahal. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even not even real rooms. There was just a sliding door that separated the living room from the bedroom. What place yeah. have you lived in? I know you're a young guy, so you probably moved a, a whole lot, but what's a place you've lived that you didn't like? I'm not going to name it. But Come on, I'm not name gonna name names. It. I'm not going to name it because it's too close. I'll name names. Eddie, uh, you going to name names? I, well, I've lived in two places, so I can't. <laughs> it, it, it was still very nice, but there was an apartment up north that ultimately made us 
want to jump into the housing market or it was just it was enough it was it was a little little cramped yard space is big like i haven't had horror stories like i know a lot of people have yeah um and i even though i'm 28 i haven't had to move aggressively right i guess if you want to go back to college we lived in a house that was kind of a you know piece of areas though it's been indy chicago yeah that it? yeah pretty how much. about you eddie indian what indian greenwood that's it that doesn't even count. <laughs> Local show. It counts here. <laughs> doesn't even count as another area. That's Indy, too, basically. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. its own city. It doesn't count. You got to be in, like, well outside. Yeah, if you can still hear this radio station, it, it's still Indy, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a hoops What about question. you, though? I've lived a lot of different places. The place I dislike the most, Portland. I lived in Portland... It's weird, right? Like, I did a local show for three years, and there are some excellent people there, as there are everywhere. But, man, the vibe in Portland is just, (laughs) oh, dude, it's so heavy there. Yeah? It really is. It's just this, you can feel it. It's this tension. It's this clash of, you know, in the city, it's pretty liberal. But there's also conservative thinking, and it's just a freaking... We're duking it out every day. It's like, you guys, it's like being around your parents if they're arguing and you're like, I just, I want to get out of the room. That's how it feels in Portland all the time. Feels like listening to Slayer for the first time when you know what to expect. (laughs) Slayer, Eddie, (laughs) Jimmy, is uplifting. It's good for the soul. (laughs) You know, you got to get the anger out sometimes, you know? That's what I'm saying. Portland, it's... See, like some of these people, they're like uh, lava. You know, it's just building, building, building. Yeah. They don't let it out. Don't let it out. And then boom, you know, explosion. Yeah. You know, that's what Slayer's there for. Let the anger out a little bit. You know, on your ride home, you just yell when no one else is around and you're good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's your hoops question. Okay. So Antoine Davis. Oh no. Son of Mike Davis. I'm worried about this question. I'm just I'm asking you. So Antoine Davis has had a fantastic basketball career in college at Detroit Mercy. He scored 22 points last night, three points shy of Pistol Pete Maravich's NCAA career scoring record. Okay? Nobody thought this record would ever fall. Here we got Antoine Davis at Detroit Mercy. He's doing his thing. Just three points shy. Now, Detroit Mercy, they're 14-19 and on the season. So their season is over. No NCAA tournament, no NIT, but wait! Not so fast, my friend. Not so fast! Maybe the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational, where you have to be invited and then pay $50,000 as your entrance fee to compete in this thing. You gotta pay to play! So Mike Davis... The head coach and the father of Antoine, he says, I'm all for it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And then he circled back and said, well, if the team wants to do it, I'd happily accept an invitation. If that happens, if Detroit Mercy is invited to the CBI, if they pay the 50K and go there, Antoine Davis would score at least four points and break the record. Would this diminish the mark? If it's done in the CBI, what do you think about that? Okay, two things. ESPN lists the entrance fee is 
and maybe you went on a per game basis, but I just want to make sure because I can stomach this a little bit more if I'm putting my shoes in the athletic director. Okay. Twenty-seven five. You said fifty. I, I, that's for a program like Detroit. They're in the Horizon League. Money is money. It matters to any program. Right. Most programs are operating in the red. That that matters to me a little bit. Because I think you would then, assuming they host said game, you're bringing more attention, albeit good or bad, because people are mad about this. I was looking all through comments, and whether you're just an old man yelling in a cloud or you're a basketball purist, there are people that are livid about Antoine Davis potentially, not only doing it this way, but had he done it last night. Yeah. This, I'm glad he didn't uh, get it. I'm I'm I, this is this is half spite and half like we had Antoine Davis uh, Greg Rickstraw got him on the show and interviewed him uh, seems like a great kid yeah to do all the things that people talk about stay in college as long as you can and to be at that amount of points the asterisks will always be there for yeah. critics it'll always be there kind of to me but what the hell man go uh-huh. do it go pay the twenty seven grand. It, Last college game, set the record. It, it, I, I'm fine with it. I would do it if I'm Detroit just out of spite. Oh. And for the fact that I'd re- reward the kid, whatever, for it. Jimmy, spiteful cook. I like it. I like it. It fits you well. But here's a couple of things. Sure. I agree with you in, in a couple of aspects here. First off, I like how you fit in. I, I got this from ESPN. I don't know where you got your ragtag Yahoo $50,000 entrance fee, but I got this from the four letters. So this is the, the Gold official. Gold stamp right here, baby. I didn't mean this, it like that. This is a, the fact. Um, but listen, where I agree with you, the reaction to him being on the oh, doorstep toxic, last night man. of breaking the record. It Here's is gross. Look, man, we get it. Like, both things can be true. Pistol Pete. In three years, in fewer games, yes. he averaged 44 points a game. It's freaking insane. Absolutely nuts. Couldn't play as a freshman. No three-point line, no shot clock in that era. Yep. It's insane. Why you got to hate on this guy, Antoine Davis? Like, if he breaks the record in five years compared to three, in a lot more games, who cares? Like, big deal. Pete Maravich, it's always going to stand what he did. It doesn't diminish what Pete Maravich no. ever did. So to look at it that way is just a bad way to look at it. It's and, just a bad perspective more and, than anything. And if you're somebody that wants to hate on Davis, and, and he said this when Rake Straw interviewed him a week ago today, I don't like comparing eras. There's no doubt in my mind Pistol Pete was the best scorer of his generation. I feel like I'm the best scorer of my generation. And from a status, from a stats perspective and the numbers he's put up, he's got the numbers to back that up. He's not he has not said a word in any way attacking, diminishing, right. disgracing Pistol right. Pete. But we live in this society where everything has to be flipped the table over and let's go riot. Like it's absolutely maddening to me. Yeah. Particularly when it happens at this level. Like he's he's even though he's a 50-year senior, he's still a college kid, like like entering the first step of adulthood. And all this hate everywhere? I know. And you know what's crazy to me? All this talk about asterisks. It's like, oh, if he breaks the record, there's going to be an asterisk. Because he, he did it in five years <laughs> instead of three years and did this and that. And it's, it's like, bro, when we're talking about asterisks, you are basically saying... Other people are incapable of understanding the context. Yep. That's what you're saying. Yeah. You're like, there's got to be an asterisk because other people just can't figure it out for themselves. 
Yeah, they can. There are people that are very well aware of what we're looking at here. And this thought of, oh, there's got to be an asterisk attached. What are you talking about? But I, I see that written. I hear it spoken a lot. And it's like people can understand the context of things. It's the same thing with the Hall of Fame thing with baseball. Yeah. There needs to be an asterisk. People can understand who got popped for roids or PEDs. Yeah. Or, there doesn't need to be an asterisk for that. We can figure it out. Yeah, and the idea that you're going to have somebody 20 years from now look side by side at their two stats and not be blown away by what Pistol Pete did is false. Like, no one, to your point, nobody is naive enough to not be able to look at the... And I'm not even talking about shot attempts, because that's one thing people point to, is that there are more shot attempts on on Pistol Pete side of things, but less games, no three-point line. You look at the magnitude of what he did in that span of time. Three years, yeah, three years versus five wins. No one is challenging. Right. That. And you know what's funny, too, is I don't think this dis- diminishes Pistol Pete. No. Let's say he broke the record last night, or let's even say he goes in the CBI. I think that'll be unfortunate, because this guy's going to get so much hate oh, yeah. if that happens. But... I think this actually boosts Pistol Pete's legacy. Were you thinking about Pistol Pete today, this week, this month, if not for Antoine Davis? Not at all. No. Some of these things that I'm like, wow, 44.2 points per game? I didn't know that. Or if I did, I forgot it. So I think Antoine Davis actually boosts Pistol Pete's cred instead of takes away from it, but I think it's just a, a lack of perspective. Some people will look at it through hater vision, and it's just this negative. This guy, and they've only had one winning season in Pistol Pete. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's let's tone it down over here, man. Like I don't know why it has to be so yep. contentious, you know. And in response to their hostility, I respond with equal hostility. Pay the twenty-seven grand and go get the record. <laughs> what if they have to pay fifty grand and Yahoo is correct? You can make it back in marketing. You can make it back in promos, advertisers. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm talking, I'm talking I mean, outside my had, mind right now. But He had the chance to break it last night. Like, if I'm, I don't know, man. Like, he went, oh, shout out to the second best Eddie in the state, Eduardo Blanco, sending <laughs> us this note. Like, he went 0 for 7 in the last four minutes of the game and missed 5 3. So, like, it's not like. He, I mean, he had the chance and he choked it away, essentially. And I, I don't know. Like, I just don't agree that the CBI after the regular season should count towards that overall point total because the only reason why they would even do that is for the record. Like, I would understand Mike Davis wanting his son's name in the books, but, like, come on. I think that – I think there are more than just two sides. Sure. Meaning, like, we've said our thing. Eddie can say his. Yeah. Without being yell at clouds guy. Oh, yeah. Like, that. there's some nuance to your position. Sure. And, I, and I agree with what you're saying is, it's like, it would be unfortunate if it's in the CBI and that's the way the record falls. Because, man, this kid, Antoine Davis, would get so much hate if that's the way it goes. I, I would be, I would hate it for him, partially. It'd be cool that he had the record, but the way it would come about and what would be said, I hate that. But the point is, Eddie isn't automatically yell at Cloud's guy sure. by bringing that up. And and that's like this day and age, it's either black or sure. white. There's a lot of gray with a lot of these storylines, man. Eddie is the sane side of that coin. Unfortunately, there is a lot, particularly on the vacuum that is social media. Yeah. Take Eddie's point I and know. follow it up with a good. I'm glad he didn't break it. Pistol Pete deserves that record. How dare he play a fifth year at this point? 
people are already throwing the toxic uh, toxicity at it go do it like i like just go do it go spend the whatever it costs to go if the cbi extend the invite because it's a win-win on both sides it is a win-win outside of the the backlash of it the cbi gets eyeballs all of a sudden on a game they wouldn't have gotten otherwise and it's exposure to again a smaller program in the horizon league that what they went 14 and 19 this year like it's not like they're would it though draw more eyes to me? Like I would watch. Would I would not watch the CBI. I'm I'm a degenerate gambler. I will not watch a second of the CBI outside of that game. I guarantee you, there's thousands of people like me that would watch it if you're a college basketball fan or if you're hate watching. I, uh, I hope he goes scoreless. I hope okay. he gets hurt. That's that's want, the toxicity online. I would want to know the viewership last night because that game was only on ESPN Plus. Yeah, yeah. Like, are were people tuning in to watch that game last night to see if he broke the record? I think not. I that's just my so, that's my yeah. personal opinion. I I don't think it'd be I don't think it'd be huge. What you don't like me over here? I meant Eddie? to turn <laughs> my I meant to turn my mic off. I'm sorry. We're not no, talking Super Bowl levels, but I think I think there'd be a bump. <laughs> I, th- I obviously we're not talking, but uh, there'd be my, there'd be a minor. Bump. The only thing is uh, the game before, so that Detroit Mercy played Youngstown State sure. last night. And they threw the kitchen kitchen sink at this guy, doubling him left and yeah. right. Didn't want him to get the record. I get it. It's competitive. They're trying to move on in their conference tournament. Yeah. But the game before that was at Detroit Mercy, little 8,000-seat arena, less than a quarter filled. Like, how? How do you how do you not support your guy, Antoine Davis, is trying I, to go totally for agree. a historical record? That's insane to me. But if the own school... Is it going to be out there attending? I don't know how great the numbers online or television-wise would be. I mean, but that's not new at, at Detroit. It's yeah. just not. Like, they they are, by and large, I mean, in terms of just historical context, just where they're at, they've, they've struggled. Yeah. Maybe a bump. We're talking a little bump. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, man, <laughs> it's, the, it's top 10 of most watched shows of all time. I know, I'm not saying that. But, yeah, I think that... And whoever has the rights to it is bumping that up. I don't know who has the CBI rights. I, I don't know. I generally don't know. How dare you? I know. How dare you not know that? No, Jimmy, one's, no one's watching the CBI unless there's a legitimate reason to, or it's your school that's there. Jimmy, I have a text to share with you. Okay. This is from Todd Meyer, a great boss. Uh-huh. He says, you just hate Pistol Pete. <laughs> I don't hate Pistol Pete. I don't hate I Pistol that, Pete. Uh, I love that Todd is hashtag supporting the show today. That's yeah, awesome. hey. And he does. I'm not saying that this right. is a rare occurrence. Right. Why do we live in an era where it's like, I immediately feel like I have to say, well, I'm not saying this or that. or You know what I mean? Be- because of all the toxicity we just mentioned just Cause, now. Because of Twitter. Yep. I think that's what it is. Yep. All right, coming up next, the list is not set in stone. We have so many examples of this, and yet we act like the list is set in stone. We'll let you know all about that coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
honest. Uh, I told him, I told him like I'll tell y'all. I mean, I didn't do it a lot in college, and I feel like I should have, and, I, and I, it's something I do regret. Uh, I feel like I could have done it a lot more, but um, I think uh, if you turn on the film, you really watch what I do, and you really look at film game to game. I have used my athleticism not only just in the Georgia game, where I did it a lot. I've done it in every other game. I've had tough third down runs. I've had tough fourth down runs. I've, uh, but it is times where I didn't run the ball, or maybe I should have, and um, I feel like that's something that I learned, and, and that's what football is about, man. It's about stepping back up to the to the plate and, and going back and working hard and, and fixing those problems. So that's something that I plan to fix, and uh, I'll show my pro there. I'll show my athletics. I'll show my uh, availability to escape pressure. And I've done it before on film, but since people don't think I can do it, I'm going to do it again. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. That was the voice of C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, waxing poetic about himself. <laughs> didn't, didn't run a whole lot, but ran every other game. Did he? I don't remember seeing <laughs> C.J. Stroud. You? Well, he also threw receivers open. Threw so, receivers, I mean, threw all of his first-round potential receivers open. You, you lie a little bit on the resume. You're Good fine. Lord, it's, what are it's, we it's, doing it's here? It's a problem. C.J. Stroud. I don't appreciate this slander. Are you the C.J. Stroud defender over there? Oh, yeah. Uh, let me see here. So, uh, C.J. Stroud. Let's guess the rushing totals over here. He, he ran it, according to him, every other game. So, uh, ballpark it here. No cheating. I'm Al- Alex Trebek. May he rest in peace. The great Alex Trebek. Have the answers in front of you. I would not have known this. I just looked it up. How many rushing yards for C.J. Stroud last season? We'll start with you, Jimmy. What do you guess? 330. 330. What do you say, Eddie? It's not 330. I'm going to go like 140. Wow. Eddie is the winner over here. You have C.J. Stroud in 2022 for The Ohio State. 47 rushing attempts for 108 yards. Yet he was. We both lost. He went over. Price is right rules. Like, here's true, the problem. Like, the problem with college, though, is like if you get sacked, you lose yardage. Like it, that if, sucks. Yeah. That's a good point. That's the part I hate about. And that's it's garbage. Hard, it's hard to like measure college quarterbacks in terms of their actual mobility because of that factor. That's a good point, Eddie. And I've been bitten many times on prop bets taking the over with quarterback rushing totals because you're right. The sack yardage counts against your individual rushing total, which yeah. is so stupid. Yep. So stupid. And you know what's even more strange? What's even stranger? is that if you kneel on the ball as a college quarterback at the end of the game, that doesn't count against your rushing total individually. But the sack yardage does. It makes no sense at all. Okay, this is the thing I wanted to throw at you. We always look at the quarterback list as if, hey, this is the list. This is the way it is. The quarterbacks get ranked in terms of the prospects. And more times than not, I think you might agree with this, Jimmy, you see... Bryce Young one, C.J. Stroud number two on most draft boards, on most lists. Would you agree with that? Yes. That's the way I see it, Regardless too. where you go. Yeah. The point I would make is that doesn't mean it's the way it's going to play out. So to make it sound like if you do anything but that, taking Bryce Young as the first quarterback off the board or C.J. Stroud as the first or second quarterback off the board, you're doing something radically wrong. It's insane to think like that. I go back to the 2018 draft. Think about it, where Baker Mayfield goes number one, Sam Darnold goes number three, Lamar Jackson goes 32nd. 
if before the draft you said, I think the Browns should take Lamar at number one, the amount (laughs) of, whoa, you know what would be coming your way. If you said, you know what, I think the Jets would be better off with Lamar number three than Darnold, you would have been laughed at because your list is a little bit different than the mainstream list. It doesn't mean it's automatically wrong. So I would apply it to this draft as well. You see most boards with Young and Stroud. It doesn't mean that if a team took Levis before those two or Anthony Richardson before those two, it's automatically wrong. It's not automatically wrong at all. Yet we just see this time and time again and think it's the gospel. And we have so many other drafts that prove otherwise. And yet here we go again, falling into the same old trap. So you have Tanner McKee, QB1 on your board? <laughs> Look, I I think it's easier some drafts. Like, for instance, let's just take for the sake of argument, uh, and I don't have a, a third quarterback in front of me. I don't want to waste the time to go find it. But, like, had the Colts gone totally off board the year they got Andrew Luck, right? Like, And I don't even mean Robert Griffin III. I mean, like, somebody further down. Tannehill. Sure. Then that's, I think, room for backlash in the moment. I understand Tannehill's still in the league, but like, he's not Andrew Luck. Like, uh-huh. he's just not. But in a year like this, where there's not a consensus number one, or like it's it's debated a little bit more, you're exactly right. It's a knee jerk trap fall or pitfall that people fall into. Of oh my, how could you possibly do that? It's clear Bryce Young is the, and then maybe somebody goes and gets Anthony Richardson and turn him into the best quarterback of the class. I. Yeah, and it's, it goes back to our larger point. I understand not everybody likes this, but it goes back to our need to react to every single thing. It's always been a talk radio thing, but it's a societal thing now, whether it's Twitter, whether it's any form of social media, whether it's walking to people on the street. Like the, the barbershop debate has turned into no longer, oh, I can't, but you're crazy. You're insane. I know. How you're, could you ever think that way? How could you ever yeah. even suggest yeah. taking Will Levis? <laughs> Over the Smurf Bryce Young? like That felt unnecessary. It felt a little personal. You're right? going to put that on a t-shirt next week, I think. Yeah, but... The hey, Smurf man, Bryce Young. Will Levis might end up being a better NFL quarterback than Bryce Young. Don't be shocked at all if that is the case. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Even though he's the lesser prospect. Might not play out that way in the league. All right, coming up next, we get to Kevin Bowen from the morning show with Query. We'll go in a lot of different directions, mostly Colts. See what he has to say about their draft position as it stands right now, subject to increase based on a huge price tag. Have we learned anything this week? We'll, we'll find out exactly. if Kevin did. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brian No. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Jimmy Cook here with you on The Fan. We've got a special guest here, Jimmy. Are you ready for this? Always. Your father joins us. I'm kidding. It's not your father. It's uh, Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query joining us here on the show. You know, Kev, I caught some of the morning show and you got a big chuckle, like a hearty chuckle 
out of Shane Steichen when you said it's normally a grueling experience being alongside your co-host. That was an earnest chuckle. I felt like you might just walk off from that point on and just say, it's a wrap. I'm going home now, boys. Well, I, I'll be honest, Brian. My heart just skipped a beat when you said that I had a son that was the age of Jimmy Cook. I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, what a, <laughs> wait a minute here for a second. Um, but I don't think that's mathematically nor humanly possible. But, yeah, Shane Steichen, a, a couple of hearty laughs. And, and I feel like based off the Shane Steichen interviews we've seen so far, that's that's not the most common thing in the world. So. I enjoyed having him on. Uh, shameless plug, Kevin and Query, the podcast page. If anyone did not hear that, but uh, he is a very direct communicator, and he is not one that is in the uh, let's entertain a whole lot of questions that are not football related. Before we get into the meat and potato stuff of the Colts and the combine and the draft and all that, he did also mention Shane Steichen did that he's a Corona guy. What kind of guy are you there, Kevin Bowen? Well, I, you know, I was hoping that, you know, maybe he would throw us a shameless plug for some uh, local beverages, you know, maybe a little Sun King action. I know Peter King is having Shane Steichen do his event tonight, so I, I don't think there will be any uh, Corona available there. Um, I would probably go with a little Rheingeist, a little Gumball Head, um, uh, Three Floyds up in the Munster area. It, it, I'm a big favorite uh, as well, so uh, those would probably be the three that immediately immediately come to mind for me. Kev, you've been at the Combine all week. We talk about reading tea leaves and are the Colts actually giving anything away? Are they hinting at anything? Are they keeping things close to the chest? Any avenue you want to take this, what have been your biggest takeaways? What have you learned the most from your conversations so far this week? Uh, are you talking league-wide or more, more Colts? More Colts-centric. I mean, unless you you have a uh, some tea you want yeah. to spill league-wide, you're welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'd say Colts-centric – I have to throw in this caveat, Jimmy, like this is lying season. You know, if the yeah. Colts are doing their job, none of us are going to know what they will do on April 27th. Um, and I would say there's not an event that is more like that in the NFL all year long. And when you have such a desperate position at quarterback and everything um, revolves around that selection, trading up for that QB potentially, you're going to keep it in-house. And I'd be shocked if, you know, anyone kind of found out any sort of intel for the Colts. Um, you know, I, I did think that Ballard the other day sounded reserved and hesitant about trading up, which, again, on March 1st or whenever he did speak to the media, I get that. You know, when you think back to when he drafted Quentin Nelson six overall in 2018, Ballard mentioned what sold him completely was watching him in, in person at the pro day. Well, none of these guys have had the pro days yet. I mean, that's typically late March, maybe even into April. So, um, you're probably only about 50%, maybe not even 50% of the way through the evaluation process. You know, Will, Will Levis, for example, spoke to the media a little bit earlier today and said he hadn't even met with the Colts yet. I assume that'll happen. But you're just now getting into these one-on-one -on -one conversations with these guys. Obviously, Shane Steichen has probably watched very little college football, you know, quarterback film um, until he took the job here in Indianapolis considering what his previous job was and how great of a season the Eagles were, were having. So I think for all those reasons, I understand why Ballard said that. And you know, think about Ballard's M.O. He does not like trading up, and he's been very hesitant to draft a quarterback in his history. So I, I understand why he said that. Now, again, I think they will take a quarterback in round one. We can debate whether you stay there for or you trade up and all that. Uh, but I would say that was probably the biggest consensus from him earlier in the week was that, hey, 
let's just pump the brakes on like right now on March 1st, we're unquestionably going to trade up. And obviously, why would he say that publicly? You know, Kev, I've been kicking this around the last couple of days because obviously the focus in this town is who the Colts are going to get at quarterback. But if you think about the Texans in the same division with a higher pick, who are they going to get? So from a Colts fan's perspective, who would you want the Colts to get of the top prospects? Who would you like to see the Texans get if you could pick their top prospect? Boy, it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, and I guess before I answer the question, I'll just throw this in. I think the fact that Houston is sitting there, too, it would do wonders if you could move up above them. And I say could because you know Houston's sitting there with great draft capital. Um, they have the ability with the 12th overall pick along with the second overall pick to really be attractive to Houston if indeed they want to move back up to the number one spot. These four quarterbacks, I, I'm team Bryce Young. I think C.J. Stroud is really safe, and I know that comes with a negative connotation anytime you use the word safe. Um, I think he's a good player. I also think he had unbelievable talent around him in a conference where they were the superior opponent by three scores pretty much every week. And the other prospects that we're talking about, even Bryce Young, you cannot say the same thing for him. Um, so, you know, my order would probably be, Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson. So I guess you go the reverse for what you would want to see the Tex- Texans wanting to do. I mean, honestly, I think you would want to see the Texans not pick a quarterback. I mean, you know, if you really want to get, you know, into it, I don't know if D'Amico Ryans has a sort of defensive authority that he can just make that call, but that would probably be the route that you would want to see them take uh, because this is a franchise that. You know, drafted Davis Mills does not look like he's going to be a franchise quarterback. They obviously, outside of Sean Watson, have really struggled in trying to find, you know, any sort of franchise draft pick to be their guy, even for multiple seasons. Um, now, I don't expect Houston to do that. I don't know. Maybe in the back of their minds, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just get Caleb Williams or you know, Drake May next year. You know, that sounds good a year out. I, I think you never know how an NFL season is going to unfold and exactly what the draft order is going to, going to look like. I don't think anybody thought the Cardinals would be drafting three overall this year or the Colts would be drafting four overall this year, but that's how the season played out. So, yeah, I'd go reverse order uh, with that uh, for the Texans, but certainly on the defensive side of the ball. Kevin Bowen, nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. Of course, you hear him. In the mornings here on The Fan, as well as our Colts reporter for 1075thefan.com. KB, I'm going to have you be the, maybe not deciding vote, because he and I aren't going to be swayed one way or another, but I'm going to have you weigh in on the never-ending debate between myself and Brian. It's the same conversation that's happening nationally as well. KB, he's turned me into a, a, a Bryce Young believer. He's turned me into a hardcore Bryce Young supporter because Brian keeps wanting to put it. You must be this tall to throw at your pro day sign uh, or throw at the combine sign up for the young fellow. So, so what are your thoughts on Bryce Young? And in general, does it scare you at all? His frame as well as his height? Yeah, I, I, I'd probably be naive, you know, to act like it doesn't, you know, worry me a little bit. I mean, that's probably the only question about him though. You know, to me, Jimmy, I keep on coming back to kind of three traits, poise, athleticism, and accuracy. And you could probably throw accuracy into poise. And I just feel like Bryce Young combines those traits more than any other prospect in the draft. I think he has so much poise. I think his eyes are always down the field. Um, I think he has a beautiful, just innate ability to know very light, very much like certainly the quarterback that you're a big fan of, Jimmy. And just, again, not panicking when chaos occurs around him within that pocket, despite his size, which is really impressive. And also, 
I, I think Shane Steichen has the offensive background and the ability to work around that. And whether that's moving the pocket or trying to get Bryce Young, you know, out into the open field a little bit more as a thrower, I think Shane Steichen can do some of that and, you know, can take advantage of that. You know, certainly from a durability standpoint, you would have a question. I also think injured guys come in all different shapes and sizes. You just, I mean, Paris Campbell never had injuries in, at his career, in his career at Ohio State. Then he has an injury-riddled season for three years, and then this year he plays every single game. Like, to me, injuries can be a bit, you know, flukish, a bit kind of luck, you know, ish. Um, no pun intended there. So I, I, I understand, you know, he would be the outlier, but I also see a guy that was good enough to play for the best team in college football and be a huge, you know, leader for them and be um, a guy that carried a lot of their heavy lifting. I mean, I brought up earlier C.J. Stroud and all the help he had around him. I'm not going to act like Alabama was playing with, you know, Noblesville High School skill players, but this is not the same Alabama skill group that Bryce Young typically – or that Alabama typically has. I don't think Alabama's going to have a guy – maybe Jameer Gibbs or running back. They're not going to have guys even on the offensive line taken very early in this draft. And, of course, he played in the best conference – in college football. So I go back to an old saying that Dane Brugler, who I know you guys have had on the the, the show, the draft um, analysts from The Athletic, saying that I want a creator more than a passer at the quarterback position. Well, I think Bryce Young's a darn good passer, but I think more than anything, he's the best creator and the most accomplished creator. And you don't have to teach up a whole lot with him. And that's what I think is really, really attractive about him. And on the eighth day... Bryce Young rested. That type of creator? Or are we talking? I, I'm sorry, Kev. I know you're talking a different kind of creator. I, I'm curious what your reaction would be. Kevin Bowen joining us here on the fan. Kevin and Query, the morning show. Check him out every day, except on the weekends. Oh, weekdays we're talking about here. What do you think about this higher ceiling talk, right? Like, think about Will Levis. Think about Anthony Richardson from Kentucky and Florida, respectively, because you have to throw that in there. You hear about them maybe having a higher NFL ceiling, but they need more refinement when you compare them to the Smurf Bryce Young or or C.J. Stroud. So what is your reaction if the Colts draft either one of those two guys, Levis or Richardson, where they're selling you on this potential higher ceiling, but you might take your lumps for a year or two because they're not as refined as NFL ready right here right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think... <laughs> I understand grouping them together. I do think they're a bit different. I think a lot of Levis's issues was more what was around him. You know, offensive coordinator turnover on a frequent basis, poor offensive line play. Don't think he had great skill either, um, and, and battled some injuries. Richardson, I just think it's a lack of experience. So while you would sit here and say, "Yeah, let's sit the guy for a year," I mean, you guys know this full well. There's no position in sports that's more different from practice in a game than than quarterback. You literally wear a different colored jersey in practice. So I, I think you would almost have to throw him out there just to learn and get used to what life is like at this level and have the live bullets flying around you. So I, I just, I look at Richardson's accuracy and it really worries me. I think there's kind of an innate element that at some point during a game, you know, you've got to deliver the ball on target, beautiful ball placement, all of that. And I, I think that's harder to teach than, you know, even Shane Steichen said earlier this week, you can coach accuracy. Boy, I, I just, I think there's an element that you've got to be able to, you know, show up at the local carnival and you can fit, you know, ball in any sort of slot of what any carny has in terms of a game for you. Um, Levis is a little bit more of a guy that I would have some intrigue in, but again, I would not be totally sold on that. I, I think what you're trying to find, you know, I mentioned the poise and athleticism thing. 
as far as like projecting a guy to the next level, I think you're trying to find a happy marriage and, you know, he can handle it a good amount of it already, but there is some ceiling and there is some, you know, stuff that you can tap into again, kind of marrying that element to it. Because if you bank too much on all the measurables and all the potential, there's a huge bus factor. But if you go uber safe, then maybe you just kind of fall in the middle of what the AFC looks like quarterback route wise and it's loaded right now. So where can you find that happy medium? Again, I think Bryce Young offers some of that. Kev, we're about four days away from when the window closes to place the franchise tag on a player, and then a week after that or so begins the league year and begins trading and free agency. Uh, you can structure that however order you want, but tagging, free agency, trades, what do you expect to be the first or top of the docket for the Colts over these next 8 to 12 days? Well, you know, it's wild to think of their – biggest, most important free agent was a guy that wasn't on the roster week one last year. But I think that's the case. I think it's the kicker. <laughs> I think it's Chase McLaughlin. So I, he would be a one that I would definitely re-sign. I don't know if I stand on a table to re-sign anybody else. Um, you know, the guy that I think will be very interesting case study for agency-wise would be Yannick Ngakwe. Um, you can fully acknowledge that Yannick Ngakwe was a guy that disappeared late in games. He's not a three-down player. How impactful were a lot of the sacks? All fair questions. You also can look at his numbers, nine and a half sacks, 15 games played and 27 years old and a frequent you know, player in Gus Bradley's system. And that's very attractive. And those are numbers the Colts have not sniffed at defensive end in years. Plus, you got to look at Ngakwe's overall durability. That guy has played seven seasons in the league and he's missed four games. And if you look at the defensive end the Colts would be banking on, if Ngakwe were to walk, it would be Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay's missed seven games in two years. So you can't ignore the availability to me in that. Is Quiddy Pay maybe a better three-down guy? Sure, but I, I don't think you can ignore that. Um, you know, Bobby Okereke, to me, might be the best player that's going to hit the open market for you. I think you've spent too much at linebacker to bring him back. Um, so you're going to have to let him walk, in my opinion. I wouldn't throw the franchise tag at anybody. And, and then lastly, Paris Campbell. Um, I do think you bring him back on a short-term deal, injury incentive deal. Um, again, playing 17 games last year, great for him, obviously. But still, I don't think you hand him some three- or four-year deal. But I think he compliments uh, Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman well and, and would show you even a little bit more with you know better quarterback play. Kev, I hope you have a great weekend. If you have some extra time, some free time, I urge you to not go out and see the movie Cocaine Bear. I saw it last night. It is freaking terrible. Oh, well, duly noted. Okay, this is like perfect movie weather day, though. Um, but I, I will make sure that I, that I jot that down. Thank you for that, Brian. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Now, Jimmy's shooting daggers my way, and he's like, I just I feel like I should flat out disagree with you just because of your stance on Bryce Young. You know, that's the way he's looking at me, right? He hasn't even seen the movie, and he's already disagreeing with me, I feel like, Kev. Well, Jimmy's eyes. I mean, if looks could kill, I mean, uh, certainly, yeah. I, I can, I, I can, I can only imagine what the uh, what the stare looks like right now. No doubt, Kev. Well, hey, man, have a good weekend. Thanks for the time, bud. We'll catch you soon. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. There he is, Kevin Bowen. When you dropped Cocaine Bear in his lap, yeah, he seemed like a prospect that got a question that caught them off guard. <laughs> like he was like, well, oh, I, that that's wasn't even fine. on my radar, but right. now that you've, that's now, a fine right there. Come on. Told me about it. If you were a tree, what tree would you be? That type of thing. Kind of like more like Super Bowl week questions, yeah. the weird stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah, man. Not a fan of cocaine bear.
Yeah, I um, I'm not a fan. It was on a list of maybe to stream one day. Uh, but to stream, it's just out in the theaters right well, now. Well, no, but I, I I didn't didn't draw me in enough to go see it. Yeah, I had a couple of family members maybe wanted to go see it. I'm I'm good. I'm fine. I've seen my crazy movie for. Did I kind of like wreck your flow of potentially seeing? I thought it looked dumb. Like, really? like, like, like. I thought, but looked, I thought it'd be funny, too. like you yeah. thought going in. I thought it was going to be dumb funny. Sure. And the and fact I, that I you went, didn't get that. And I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but it was not <laughs> at all what I thought it was going to be. It was like, what, what? <laughs> what? What is happening over here? Yeah, so I thumbs down on that one. Okay, uh, it's off my list now. Um, you know what? Kev said something interesting during the interview. Where uh, About cocaine bear? No, <laughs> no. It was, about, uh, it was about the Texans. And by the way, we'll talk to uh, Gavin Wilson from... Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Aaron Wilson, my good buddy, Aaron Wilson. <laughs> he has such small writing on that board over there, Eddie is. Uh, I need I need binoculars. Yeah, that's my fault. Probably should have chose a better marker, too. That one's dying a little bit. It's <laughs> okay, Aaron Gotta Wilson. Got to keep the eyes sharp, though. From the Houston area, talking about the Texans, which I'm interested in. But you know what? Kev said something about the Texans in the interview we just did. And he was saying that uh, you want the Texans – to to draft a quarterback you know you want you want them to end up with a quarterback and I'm like I don't know if that's what I want seriously think about this because if the Texans just said let's not go QB this draft this isn't the draft to go QB we might have another sucky season let's get a QB next season let's potentially get Caleb Williams let's potentially get Drake May I would rather see the Texans draft a quarterback this year, then say, we're going to punt, we're going to defer to the second half, I would say. It's kind of like a coin toss at yep. the beginning of the game. We're going to defer to the second half. We're going to defer to the 2024 draft next year. I would rather see the Texans get somebody this year. Is that how you feel about it? I can't think, I can barely think about what's going to happen for this draft Come I can't on. think about. Uh, no, I'm going to answer you. Okay, but I, I, we talked about this off air. I'm yeah. going to answer your question, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. preface this by saying the reason I feel this way is I can't think about what's going to happen next year. If it was me, I would rather them not take a quarterback this year. And the reason is that if they take one, and we, uh, we, I'm putting me as a we for the Colts because I'm the general manager in this standpoint. We as an operation, I'm running the oh, team. Oh Lord, Colts are in trouble. <laughs> they are. They're definitely in trouble. If I'm like, I'm going to stand pat at four, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. And then because the Texans kept their cards close to the chest, they <laughs> take a quarterback. We're like, oh, they, they took young. That's We wanted young. What do we? Then yeah. now you have to look at that for the next 10 years or however long Ballard's tenure is going to last is what could have been. Had we just traded up, there's way more what ifs for me if the Texans take a quarterback than if they don't. If only there was a way to solve this with like a, a, a way to move from pick four to another pick that would ensure that doesn't happen, Brian, trade up. You know what I was giving thought to, Jimmy, is the possibility of trading up to three. Now, some people might think this is stupid, and I don't care. But if you think about the Arizona Cardinals with the number three overall pick, think about how different the price tag would be to move up from four to three compared to moving up from four to one. And if you don't think there's much separation between Young, Stroud, and let's say Levis, who's got a huge arm, was banged up quite a bit, 
in college, had a sucky offensive line. The thing with Will Levis that it kills me is, oh, look at these numbers at, at Kentucky in the SEC. Like, what are we talking about over here? I think there's far too much negativity toward Will Levis. I'm not going to say he walks on quarterback water, but follow me on this one. If you don't see a whole lot of separation in the NFL, well, of course we saw it in college, we're projecting in the NFL what we're going to see. If you don't think there's going to be a whole lot of separation between Young, Stroud, and Levis, there's a real thought behind moving up one spot to number three where you are guaranteed to at least get one of the top three guys. And if you don't have much separation, it's a far lesser price tag, and you still get a guy that you think, maybe you end up with Will Levis. Maybe it goes where it's Young, Stroud, and you get Levis. You might get a guy at a cheaper rate who ends up being better than the other two. I don't disagree at all with any of the points you just made. Okay. I'm going to situationalize it, though, and make sure you agree with this. Okay. I'm only calling the Cardinals. I don't know how often GMs are actually like having these discussions, if it's preemptively right now or if it is on draft night, seven minutes on the clock, whatever, and you pick up the phone. I'm sure there's some preemptive framework already. I'm not calling the Cardinals until I see how the board falls, if I'm the Colts. Mm. because how the board falls could also dictate the price just to move up that one spot. And I'm only moving up that one spot if, like you said, the margin is that tight, and I know if I wait it for, somebody else could do what I'm thinking, which is move up with the Cardinals and steal them from me. That's the problem, is let's just say it works out like that. Let's just say two quarterbacks go. Yeah. For the sake of argument, let's just say it's Young and Stroud. Because anything else would be radical. Let's just say it's Young and Stroud. And you're sitting there on draft night at number four. You're Indianapolis. And you know, who knows, Carolina, the Raiders. There are random teams that could leapfrog you get up to that number three overall pick. I think the price tag is higher on draft day for the Colts to move up from four to three than it would be weeks before the draft. I would disagree. You would? Go ahead, Eddie. I say that How because... How dare you, Eddie? <laughs> I would disagree because, to me, if you come draft day and there's not been any movement there from four to three, that tells me that there may not be a lot of interest in somebody moving with Carolina or Carolina just simply doesn't want to move that far back. So then maybe the, the price is a little bit less for Indianapolis just to move up one spot because it's like, well, we know they need a quarterback. We don't need a quarterback. So you see somewhat of like a Luka Doncic, Trey Young situation like Atlanta and Dallas a few years ago. I can't remember the full details on what the other pick was, but it was just like a second-round pick in the NBA, I think, was just tossed in for the two to switch switch spots. So I don't think the value for moving up 4-3 to three would increase come draft night. I do. I really do. I don't think it would be by leaps and bounds, but I think it would be a little bit higher. And the other part is – you know going into the draft, we're at least at number three. You know that. And so I like your point, though, too, where you're thinking, well, let's just see how the draft unfolds. Let's see how the board sets up. Let's say the Bears just say, well, we're not trading the pick. We're going with Jalen Carter. There it is. <laughs> you know, like, really, that changes everything. So you might have moved up from four to three for no reason if what I just laid out takes place. So I get that thinking, too, of, Let's just see how the top of the board uh, unfolds, but I don't know. I think there's real thought to, at least we can leave it here. The price tag would be way cheaper to move from four to three instead of all the way up to one.
if I'm Atlanta, just going to pick them out of the hack. They're in the eighth spot right now. Okay. The options to get up to number one are too rich for my blood. I'm staying from Atlanta. We, we, can I get to the point? Yeah. Please? Yeah. Get there. I, I, pick me another team that I only mentioned Atlanta because I, I no, understand I just, we got to go to break. I, 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 no, we've got some time here. Okay, we do? Okay. I was just saying that if I'm in late, I will counter this once you're done talking <laughs> as to this, why I would is stay. Is this Jimmy the Savage Cook? Look at that. Can I finish my me, point, me, Eddie? Me, Goodness. Me, me, me and Eddie have, have a well-established dunk fest like that. It, it's... It, he knows I, some good fun. I, Eddie, I want to kind of just like <laughs> cut him off every point from here on out to see if he snaps at me that way. I don't know if we're there yet. And I, our... I'm not going to answer any of your questions the rest of the <laughs> no, show. Either. I'm going to deviate away oh. and I'm going to give you half sentences that feel like answers, but they just leave you wanting the truth if we go down that path. Any team that is below the Colts, I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Chicago's too rich for our blood of what we want to trade up to, but boy, we really like C.J. Stroud. If he is there... Still at three, but I know the Colts need a quarterback. That is when I'm placing that phone call. That is when I'm making my move. And a lot of teams do this. There's a certain ranking system on your board of where is the place to strike when the iron's hot for us. That's what I'm more worried about if I'm the Colts to where I'd be not ready to shoot my shot just yet to trade up to three. But... I'm more looking at one right now. Mm-hmm. If we get to draft day and you're in the cold spot, that's when I'm really sweating bullets is if you're right there at the two-yard line to go get your guy and all of a sudden we have a trade to announce. Mm-hmm. The Falcons have traded for pick three and they take or whoever it is. Right, right, right. Well, that's what's that's interesting why I'm waiting to until me draft too. Day. It's, I, I think that a lot of this comes back to your own evaluation. Sure. You know me, I'm not sold on Bryce Young. I'm yep. not trading up from four to one to get Bryce Young. You mentioned that once or twice. He's undersized. He's a smurf. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think he's going to be there. Time or two. <laughs> yeah. But then it becomes, well, okay, great. That's your stance. Well, then what's next? Yeah. What are you doing? What's your plan? That's just one little bullet point of the overall plan. And so the next step becomes... Well, hey, man, there's uh, the Texans probably not going to do us any favors at two overall. So, like, three overall, if you have the quarterbacks evaluated and there's not much separation projecting the to the NFL. That is the caveat. Which I don't, Sure. by the way, with the top three. I think looking at the number three overall pick to trade up there, there's some reasoning behind doing yeah, just that. But again, just to the point of the reason you trade up is – this is your guy. You know he is the next generational talent. You go get him. It's all about the GM mindset. You and I have two different mindsets there. Mm-hmm. If I believe in Bryce Young, I'm going to trade whatever it takes to go get him. Your standpoint is I don't see a lot of separation. Yeah. I'm going to try for a lesser pick, but right. one where I know I'll guarantee at least one of the three. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Because you don't want to be sitting there with three quarterbacks go one, two, three, and you're still at four. One That's quick thing here about Atlanta, Jimmy. Like, they are going to be so, so bad next year again that I could see them staying where they're at, building around, and the next year they get Drake May or Caleb Williams. They're just going to be that bad. Again, to clarify it, yeah. I don't disagree with you. You're 100% right. I, I know just I picked am. a team on the board. <laughs> I know I'm right. If I said Carolina, would that have fit more? Are they going to leave uh, Frank Reich with Derek Carr? They will be, yeah. I would look at trading up if I'm Carolina. Go get a quarterback for, for Frank. Guys, guys, let's show each other a little bit more love. To your corners. You know, let's, yeah. All right. let's be nice to each other. We're going to get to, Jimmy, our college basketball pet peeves before we get out of here today. You've got one that is just sensational. I love this one. Also, uh, we've got Aaron Wilson. What did I say before? Gavin? Gavin, yeah. Where'd that come from? I don't know. It kind of looks like Gavin from here. 
a little bit. Apparently, it's Aaron. Are you combining Kevin and Aaron over there? Because, I mean, <laughs> we're I can't talk, get that. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Texans football, divisional rival. You know, what's the uh, what's the mainstream thought process down there? Who do the Texans want at number two? So we'll find out a little bit from Aaron, my good friend Wilson. That's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey, Cook. Here on The Fan, I want to welcome in Aaron Wilson. He's at iHeartRadio 790. Also does some TV in Houston at KPRC. Joining us here on the show. You know, before we dive into the Texans, I just can't help myself, Aaron. I hear Usher with the bounce back music from the great Eddie Garrison. I need to know your musical preferences. What's the uh, genre of choice for you, Aaron? Oh, man. I like more current stuff. I, I like rap. I listen to a little bit of electronic music sometimes. Uh, I'll listen to anything. I like some old school stuff. I like Frank Sinatra. I'm a big yeah. Frank fan. Uh, generally, though, I, I watch a lot more TV than listen to music. But, uh, you know, if I'm in the car, if I find something good, I will sing along if I'm by myself. I, I'm too embarrassed to sing, you know, when I'm with my wife. But, uh, yeah, we, we have fun. She usually does the playlist and Whatever she puts on, you wake up with. But, you know, she's about 10 years younger than me, so she's got some – she's very current with everything. She's I dig it, man. We'll have some Sinatra uh, intro music for you next time, you know? Oh, I love Hit it. That That'd up. be cool. There you go. All right, so bring us up to date here, Aaron. What do most people want in terms of their quarterback with the number two overall pick, what's the general consensus if there is one in terms of do they want to move up to one? Do they want to move down? Is there a quarterback that is sort of in the lead position as far as the most popular guy? Like, what are Texans fans mostly saying right now? They want Bryce Young and I mean the fans and the team. It's not Bryce or Bust. It's not gotten to that point. And a lot of people talk about trade scenarios. No one's talking about that. They're all the conversations that people will have in April. So I would just say some that are reporting that are really overhyping something that's not the reality. And it's just a matter of people want to you know get attention, I think, sometimes. But you know, the truth is, you have to find out what does it cost? What am I giving up? What's behind door number two? If I don't do it, you know, what's left if I stay at two? If you're Nick Casario, the general manager, the will be the architect of any of these potential moves. And, you know, there's not really, a, in my opinion, a player that's that surefire that you should trade up for him. I think they should stay at two or trade back. I think that the trade-up scenario the Bears are really going to hold your feet to the fire, even if you're just moving just the one spot. And one thing I've you know, been able to, you know, I'm not reporting this as, you know, like they're locked in, but I've heard that the Colts really like C.J. Stroud. 
So, you know, while opinions can change, maybe this week changes things, you know, the interactions they've had, you know, feedback about these meetings. Of course, everyone meets with everyone, and top quarterbacks are having meetings with the Colts and with the Texans and all these teams. But they may not need to move up. I think that's something people need to keep in mind, and maybe they shouldn't. Aaron, you've had an opportunity this week with all the press conferences and different availability to talk to a number of the quarterbacks that are here for the Combine, likes of Bryce Young, C.D. Stroud, we mentioned, but uh, other names that are there like Will Levis and like Anthony Richardson. Any intriguing nuggets or anything, maybe open your eyes or move the needle one way or the other of where you view them with your talks? I'm pretty interested in Richardson because I think his ceiling's higher than – the other quarterbacks potentially just because of the athlete he is. But I really worry about his floor, and he's inaccurate. Uh, he's a great athlete, and he's got limited experience. He hasn't played as much football as these other guys, and that's a concern. Will Levis didn't play very well for Kentucky. I know he's got a great arm, and I think a lot of people think, well, I can coach him. I can get him where he needs to be. He's got incredible potential, but you're not – hoping for potential with the first or the second pick. You're hoping for polish. You're looking for pinpoint accuracy. And you get that with Stroud. You know, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. And you get confidence. You get a nice pocket presence. He's really tall. I think he's only scratched the surface of his potential. And, yeah, I would just say Richardson and Levis, I, I don't think they're right there yet. Uh, I like them. And, you know, Levis is going to definitely throw because, as he said, he has a cannon. I agree with him. This is the perfect environment for him. And there will be buzz after both of their performances, especially like Richardson says he's going to run. I'm sure he'll run fast. It'll be impressive. It'll be very tempting. But to me, Young and Stroud are better. It's, I don't think it's that close between – there's a big drop, in my opinion, from one and two – QB1, QB2, QB3, QB4. Hey, Aaron, how much talk is there from Texans fans about maybe not drafting a quarterback this year and looking to next year's draft when Caleb Williams and Drake May will be there? They say things like that. They've got to start creating some hope and making some progress. To me, it's just not realistic. And I know people say, well, can't you sign a vet and then you just try to get Caleb next year? I mean, how many games are you going to try to lose? And the whole idea of tanking is, you know, kind of offensive to some people, uh, and you know, understandably so. Not so much. I mean, they're just kind of like they want price, and they'll probably be mildly disappointed if they went up with Stroud. Aaron Wilson, nice to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. I saw that you had retweeted this from Sports Illustrated a little bit earlier today, Aaron. But Bryce Young gave a very honest response in regard to his size. That's going to be the talking point. I know you've done a number of hits on that same sentiment, but does that Mm -hmm. bother you at all in terms of, man, maybe they shouldn't take this guy, or are you Uh enough hyped up with his intangibles and what he brings to the table that his height and his frame don't matter? I mean, my question uh, was that uh, I showed an opinion in the question, but wanted to get the, the right kind of answer out of the right tone, I said, it has never stopped you from succeeding before in your football career. Is there any reason to think that it would stop you from being successful at the NFL level? Just kind of tee it up for him. 
And he gave a great answer, I thought. And he's very thoughtful about it. He was really impressive. His whole demeanor, the way he answers things, very respectful, real tactful young man. And he didn't wasn't offended because I think he saw my tone. He just said, you know, I know what I am. I know what I can do. I'm not worried about it. As far as how I feel about it, you know, his passing lanes are a little bit different than others because he is short. And he's going to be 5'10", probably 7'8". My bet is he won't get 200. I think it's going to be close. I think it'll be like 196 to 198. We'll see. That's just my little educated guess. But I look at him and I think he's not as skinny as, say, like Devontae Smith. You wish he was built more like Kyler Murray, but, you know, that's not what he looks like. He Kyler's like almost like a small running back build, barrel-chested guy. And he didn't get hurt a lot at Alabama. That's one reason I'm not as concerned because I think his durability is not bad. And, you know, it's hard to hurt what you can't hit. I mean, he's, he's elusive. He's good at sliding in the pocket and staying, you know, upright. In my opinion, he'll probably be an exception where he can be a small quarterback and play well. He's Aaron Wilson. You see him on TV in Houston. KPRC TV also does some radio on 790 over there, the iHeart affiliate. Um, Aaron, it's I'm curious about this. If the Colts at number four dial up the Texans and say, hey, we want to make you an offer for the number two overall pick, what's the Texans' response knowing that they could be dealing a divisional rival, a quarterback they'd have to face over the next handful of years, the next 10 years? What do you think the Texans would say to that offer? No, thank you. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe it might not be as polite as that. Maybe like, why are you calling us? What you, well, maybe Nick says, Chris, why are you calling me? What do you want? Uh, I'm not telling you anything. You fishing? You might tell him that. Uh, it just depends. I, I don't know their relationship. I think it's cordial. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's, it would be interesting to see how that would happen. And Chris certainly wouldn't lack for the gumption to make that call if he thinks that's a good idea. Interesting idea. I mean, I'm sure you think about the idea. If you could move back and you kind of feel like maybe they indicate and they don't always tell you who they're trading up for, that's kind of proprietary. But what if they were really sure they're trading up for Stroud and Young is available? We'd rather have Young. That'd be interesting to me. In that same vein, Aaron, we were debating this from the the Colts' perspective. Are are you worried about standing pat and allowing the Texans to take a quarterback of the future, potentially? I know you probably don't know this from the front office's side of things, but from the fan base and from the way that it has been covered on your end of things, is there fear having two division foes so close and knowing that any point in time the missiles could be in the air, i.e. the Colts could trade up to number right. one to try to get in front of them? I think there's you know some trepidation, yes, and probably you know I, I, the fans that I see are the more rabid ones yeah. that are like they and they message me and they're they're concerned and they worry about and they want to know how was the meeting like like I'm in the meeting and I mean they, <laughs> it's just unrealistic expectations. Uh, you know, for how much, you know, information you can get and can, how much can you vet everything and is it even worth it. But I would say it's intriguing because if they both do draft quarterback, obviously with them being in the South Division, they're going to play against each other twice a year. 
and they're going to be tracked and who's making more progress. And you can see graphics already and newspapers being contemplated, crafted. I think it's tough, you know, and there's going to be a lot of comparisons. And who knows? Maybe it is Stroud versus Young for many years to come. And, you know, that would be good for both franchises because they both have their guy. I could see it happening that way. Hey, Aaron, good stuff, man. Appreciate you popping on for a little bit today. Hope you have a good weekend. You too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. There he is. Aaron Wilson does radio and TV over there in the Houston area. I liked it because he has more of a laid-back feel. You know, laid-back. Yeah. Bro, it's cool. Hang 10, you know? That kind of surfer vibe. I think it would be funny if he was like, you know, I I, I listen to Slayer. I, uh, <laughs> enjoy Lamb of God. Some uh, early Pantera is what I... <laughs> I like that. So, so you don't think that he's he's running in the same uh, with, with his answers he gave us start the interview. He's not running in the same musical circles as, <laughs> as you. I just think it would be funny <laughs> if uh, that was his go-to, you know, because his his delivery is just more chill, which is fine, totally fine. It just would have been funny, been humorous to me. If oh, speed metal is really what I. I'm a big sparring guy. Big, uh, you know, like that's how I like to get my my workout in. It's kind of like, hop in the ring. It's kind of like speed metal or. Death metal, I don't know which I really prefer. <laughs> I think that would have been funny. But he had good stuff. You know, he's right about the, the Texans. I would love to have that conversation recorded if the Colts reached out to the Texans just to gauge if there's any potential of like, hey, would you guys even entertain the thought of doing a deal with us for us to move up to the number two overall pick? What the response would be of like... <laughs> It's a good one, Chris. Click. You know, like, what would they say? I would love to hear that exactly. Good to hear from you, Chris. Yeah, and uh, we have found out that the Smurf is popular, not just also in Indianapolis, but also Houston. Texans fans clamoring for Bryce Young and his undersized frame. I don't know what it is with these fans that are delusional, thinking that it's just going to automatically seamlessly transition from college to the NFL. By the way, I've been watching this IU-Michigan State women's game, and I don't think I've ever seen a game oh, last no. any longer than this in the final 40 seconds. It has been foul, foul, foul. It is incredible. IU so, holding on, though, 9285. So for everybody out there, Eddie went halftime in-game line. He's got the Hoosiers minus three and a half. Got to win by four. They're up by seven. We're under 10 seconds. Oh, thank goodness. Three was <laughs> missed. Ooh, that would have made things <laughs> Oh, really come on. Seriously, why are we fouling here? There's five oh, seconds left. You're good to go now. You're in the sweet spot. It's all good. Can't go wrong now. It's a lock. Even anything that could potentially jinx it won't jinx it. They could miss both of these. There's 4.3. Oh, so you're, you're, you're good. good. <laughs> and they're going to foul it a three. You're good. It's a lock. Can't go wrong. Cannot go wrong from here on out. All right, coming up next, we close it down in style. Eddie and I will compare pet peeve notes. We're going to sound like we're yelling at clouds, but it's going to be entertaining. I promise. Am I going to be involved in that chat too? You. I, why, I want to ask. I just want to make I, sure. I've got a Jimmy I, Eddie I, I complex over here. I don't know here. what is going on with me. I sense some favoritism here. Oh, and we also have a question. What kind of of player are you on the field, okay? Would you do the nice thing or the competitive thing? I'll lay a story for you out next. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Jimmy, we got to do a lot of stuff over here. We don't have a whole lot of time, okay? I do like this text from one, one of our bosses, uh, Todd, here. Sorry. I have, uh, we have a lot of time, but let me get to this text I message have, real quick. I have radio ADD. I'm sorry, but uh, Todd... He texted and said, I'm going to start dishing out fines on Brian if he doesn't get his co-host's name right. Totally, totally legit. I definitely owe money for screwing this up. And uh, thanks for rolling with the punches here, Jimmy. You're awesome to work with, man. It's okay, Dane. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Or or is it Vince? I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Pet peeves. Sure. Okay? You've got one that is just beautiful. The reason we started on this, I've got a real one. It drives me crazy. College basketball not taking advantage of two-for-one opportunities. So the end of the half, the end of the game even more so. If you've got the ball and they're about 55 seconds to go, like, speed it up, get a quality shot in about 15 seconds, and you're guaranteed another possession unless you give up an offensive rebound. Take advantage of that. Yeah. And a lot of teams just don't. It drives me insane. You've got something I love even better, the media timeouts. Yeah, so I'm fine with the <laughs> four-minute intervals on media timeouts, except for the first one. We're hyped, ready to go. Yes, getting loud, maybe at the bar with your buddies. And then all of a sudden, ball tips. Oh, it's the under-16. The under-16 drives me crazy. We're hyped, ready to roll. Now we're going to take a breath. Everybody needs a breather so we can sell some more plates at Applebee's. Drives me nuts. Can't stand it. I'm going to think of you every time with the yep. under-16 yep. first media timeout. I That's think of you every time I see Lipman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got some bets to get to. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me. All right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Sticking with the NBA tonight, we're going to take the Denver Nuggets and lay the five as they welcome in the Memphis Grizzlies. Also going to take Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics Mm. over 28.5 total points against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. That at the Garden. Why am I taking Jason Tatum over 28.5? Well, outside of the fact that he's one of the most electric players in the league right now, it's his 25th birthday. I can get behind a birthday bet. Let's take the over 28.5 for Jason Tatum. 500 yesterday, 4-6 and on the week. Looking to bounce back today. Place on Twitter at Dudge Cook. Eddie, you got anything? Uh, I do not. Okay. I might bet that I already have hit, so we're good. You were good. Happy for you. The Hoosiers, you know? Yeah. Women's uh, Big Ten tournament. So, uh, Boston, who do they have? They got the Nets. Got the home. Nets. Oh, I like that. 29? Yeah, I like yep. that. What was the first one? Go so fast. Uh, Denver yeah. laying five. Denver against? They host Memphis. Against Memphis. I know. Huh? I know. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, now. Do you have anything? Not yet. Okay. I'm a late bloomer with betting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all right. It's like leading right Same. up to game time. And yeah, I'm more of a late bloomer. Um, so this is a great story here. So I'm going to take you to women's softball. Okay. okay. Grand View University's Caitlin Moses. Okay. She hit a grand slam. She injures her ankle rounding first. What does the other team do? These girls at Southern University, they pick her up and they carry her around the bases. She hit the grand slam. We're going to carry her around. Okay, good for them. It's a nice story, you know. I wouldn't be caught dead doing the same thing. And I'm not calling them out at all. I just would never in a million years do the same thing. Because we're between the white lines, we're competing. You better crawl around the bases, swim around the bases, do the back back uh, stroke around the bases. What? You better figure it out. I'm not helping you out at all. 
I might be making it more difficult. I would be like shoveling more dirt in your way to make it harder to crawl around the bases. You kidding me? Yeah, I'm the good sport. You're the, yeah, I'm the that, good sport. Fine. I'm gonna help. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help him around. That's fine. The only way I can sit here and honestly say I might think about it for a second, if, if and maybe it was, and I just misheard this in the story, but it was a walk off. Then, then I'm maybe not doing that. That's my line. And it wasn't a walk-off. It was a go-ahead grand slam. Yeah. And listen, I might be ruining a nice story for some people. It's not my intention. And I'm not looking down on you or the girls or anybody who would say, you know what, let's do the nice thing. Let's help our competitor around sure. the bases. Just like I'm not looking badly at you for saying, I'm going to throw dirt to make it harder for her to get her. <laughs> Bro, I would never. And here's the thing. I think that there's something to be said about being a maniac on the field and and being nice off the field. Sure. Just because you're a savage on the field doesn't mean that you would be making life difficult for everybody around you off the field. I think that's important. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm savage disagree with that at all. slash maniac on the field for me. That's, Quiet. yeah, no help. All right. What do you have going this weekend? No, no cocaine bear, right? No cocaine bear, yeah, regular yeah. season finales for college basketball <laughs> and some smaller conferences getting started and finishing conference championship week. Looking forward to it, man. Everybody have a great weekend. Had a fun week filling in. We'll catch you later. Brian, though, and Jimmy Cook. Eddie Garrison, it's 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. JMV coming up.